and more at sacredheartradio.com. Thursday, the 5th of October, the Feast of St. Faustina. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we put our trust in you. You led your people through the desert, dry, or through the sea, dry shod. Let us put our trust in you as you lead us through this day's challenges. You fed your people in the desert. Let us hear your word of life amid the noise of our busy lives today. You gave your people water from the rock. Let us drink from the fountain of life and not from bitter and polluted waters. O Lord our God, you sent into the midst of faithless humanity the living bread, your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to nourish and strengthen us on the road. Through the mystery of the cross, you poured forth upon us the Spirit, the water of life. Have mercy on our lack of trust and lead us in your ways today through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In St. Faustina, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're with us here on a Thursday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has got our video stream up and running, which you can access in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Robert Nixon will be along from Australia, live from Australia, to talk about his recently translated work uh, of Albert the Great. And we're going to be focusing on what Albert had to say about the virtue of love. Stephanie Mann has more stories from English Catholic history for us. Father Philip Michael Tangora will look at some of the uh, other dubia questions that have come out, this time from the Czech bishops uh, that kind of got buried in uh, the news cycle because of the sort of more famous dubia submitted by that group of five cardinals. Uh, but Father Phil will talk about that from a canon law perspective. And then we'll get more thoughts on mental illness and the Catholic take on that with pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast. So please do stay with us if you are able. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Republican Congressman Jim Jordan and House Majority Leader Steve Scalise are both launching bids to replace Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. A group of conservative Republicans voted with Democrats on Tuesday to oust McCarthy. Some conservatives are also recommending Donald Trump for the job. Trump told reporters yesterday he'll do whatever is best for the country, but said he's focused on becoming president again. An election for House Speaker is set for next Wednesday. Catholic Relief Services is calling the Pope's latest apostolic exhortation a rallying cry for the crucial policy work needed to change paths to address climate change. CRS released a statement in the wake of the release of the exhortation saying, quote, in Laudate Deum, Pope Francis again calls us to action, highlighting the urgent need to care for our planet as the climate crisis deeply affects our global communities, especially the most vulnerable. At Catholic Relief Services, they say we stand with those communities facing the harsh impacts of the climate crisis from deadly droughts to forced migration. This unity drives our push for policies that lessen climate impacts and encourage sustainable development, end quote. The gathering of the Synod on Synodality is now underway in earnest in Rome. 
From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Taken one way, a synod is any such gathering of believers. Over the centuries, there have been many hundreds of them in many different Christian churches. In the Catholic Church, however, the term synod of bishops has taken on a special meaning since the Second Vatican Council in the 1960s. Following that council, Pope St. Paul VI established the synod of bishops to continue the collaboration between prelates, which had been such a great success at the meeting. This synod of bishops remains active to this day. It's consultative. That means it aims to help the Pope with his tasks of teaching and governing the Church, but it doesn't actually have any decision-making power itself. However, this meeting of the Synod of Bishops, which is referred to as a General Assembly, is unique in that participants will not only be members of the hierarchy. On Pope Francis's instruction, around 20% of attendees will be non-bishops, priests, male, female religious and lay people. Some of these were proposed by bishops' conferences around the world before being approved by Pope Francis. Others were appointed directly by the Pope. All will have the same voting rights as the bishops. Moreover, Pope Francis has specified that half of the non-bishop participants must be female. Thus, for the first time, women will have the right to vote at the General Assembly of the Synod of Bishops. The Assembly will last a month to be followed by another one in October 2024. After that, the Pope is expected to release an apostolic exhortation, that is, a letter summarizing his takeaways from the meeting. I'm Francesca Merlo. 400 more Ford workers in Michigan are being told not to report to work today due to the United Auto Workers strike. Ford says the layoffs are for 350 employees at the Livonia Transmission Plant and 50 employees at the Sterling Axle Plant as those factories make parts for the Chicago Assembly Plant. The Chicago plant was included in the UAW's strike expansion last Friday. Ford officials say the layoffs are not a lockout. Negotiations to end the Hollywood actors strike will resume tomorrow. The actors union made the joint statement yesterday with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. The statement said both sides met Wednesday for a bargaining session and the negotiations will resume Friday with the parties working internally over the weekend before returning on Monday. The Actors Union is seeking a new three-year contract from producers that includes protection from AI technology and more profits from streaming revenue. The head of Homeland Security is calling for construction of a border wall in parts of Texas. Mark Mayfield has the story. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is citing an acute and immediate need to waive dozens of federal laws to build a border wall in parts of Texas where illegal migration has surged recently. The announcement, published in the Federal Register, calls for border wall construction in Starr County along the Rio Grande, where the Biden administration says there is a high illegal entry. I'm Mark Mayfield. And just like that, Major League Baseball's wild card round is complete. The Diamondbacks, Twins, Phillies, and Rangers all swept their best of three series to advance to the divisional series, which will begin on Saturday, the Rangers took down the Rays 7-1 to to complete the two-game sweep in St. Petersburg. Texas will now take on the Orioles in the ALDS. The Twins took care of business with a 2-0 shutdown win in Toronto, over the Toronto Blue Jays to clinch their playoff, their first playoff series win in 21 years. Minnesota will now head into the ALDS against the Houston Astros. Arizona downed the Brewers 5-2 to two on the road to advance to the NLDS, where they will face the Dodgers 
and in Philly, the Phillies won 7-1 to over the Marlins in Game 2. They'll continue their playoff journey against the Braves. It is going to be very interesting because, you know, there are a few teams in there who've been to the uh, been to the big stage, the big World Series stage mm-hmm. in the past few years. But there's a lot of teams who have not been to that stage in a very, very in a long time. very long time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to have see how you, it all plays out. Okay, I know you refuse to, like, make a prediction on the air. All it does fear. is get the listeners upset with me. Right, but do you have an, a mental prediction? I don't have, have a mental you prediction. Chosen? I I'm rooting for the Orioles. Oh well, of course they're like. But down I make the road no predictions you. about how they will do. Okay, all right. I feel like we've got a Rangers contingent that shows up in our uh, in our social media. There's that going on too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure who I'm going to root for. Yeah, all on right, the National League side, this. I mean, we've got. We've got some interesting options. I mean, the Diamondbacks haven't been there for a while, and nobody expected that they would be this mm-hmm. in this in this place. They had a big run, then they slid down a little bit. Yeah. My father-in-law grew up a Phillies fan, mm. so I might I might just do that for That's the one familial, thing I can't do. familial cordiality. I, predictions uh, aside... Even if I think it will be the case, I can't root for Philly or the Dodgers. I mean, I understand. Totally. You know where I'm coming from. I know where you're... I totally know where you're coming from with this. I just can't do it. Yeah. I'm ontologically incapable. Today is Thursday, October the 5th. It is the Feast of St. Faustina. Also, the Feast of Blessed Bartolo Longo. If you don't know his story, go check it out, because... It's pretty incredible. He was a satanic priest and now is a saint in heaven. So that gives you a little indication of his conversion story. Go check it out. Father Robert Nixon joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a Benedictine monk at New Norcia in Australia, translator of the Tan Resurrection series. And we are diving into the book, The Paradise of the Soul by St. Albert the Great. Father, welcome back. It's great to be with you today. It is great to have you. And uh, so as we dive into this book, the very first virtue that St. Albert decides to study with us is love. And he uses the greatest commandment from our Lord to sort of organize this chapter, correct? Indeed, absolutely. And this makes a lot of sense. It begins with love of God. And then after love of God comes love of one's neighbor, to love one's neighbor as oneself. And so he begins this in a very. Sorry, go ahead, Father. I think we have a little bit of a delay this morning. Oh, yes. He begins it in a very logical way, explaining that our human nature naturally loves everything that is good. And because the epitome, the perfection of all goodness is to be found in God, it's therefore perfectly in accordance with our nature to love God, possible love. Yeah, and so, and this is a theme that kind of runs throughout this chapter on love. You talked about our natural tendency to love goodness, but we have to move beyond our nature when it comes to love, correct? 
in, indeed we do. And our love for God um, becomes perfect. A sign of a, a really well-developed love for God is to love him equally in adversity as well as in blessing, when things are difficult as well as things are easy. Um, and similarly, our love for our neighbour needs to extend equally to our friends and our enemies, um, to people with whom we are connected by natural bonds and also to people with whom we have no such connection. Uh, St. Albert tells us that this is the perfection of love when can, we do that. Can you talk about the the two reliable signs of love when toward God that that St. Albert describes? Because he he brings up the idea that um you know it's it's easy to love God if we want something from him but not so easy to love God outside of of that kind of motivation indeed so this is a part of the perfect love of God recognizing his perfect goodness and wisdom so not only to love him and to thank him when things are going in in our way, in such a way that we're finding things enjoyable or pleasant, but also when we experience pain and difficulty and so forth, to recognize equally that it's the same God who in his infinite wisdom sends us these things for ways which far exceed our comprehension. And the other sign of love is to be genuinely displeased with everything which we know is going to displease God. And I think this is so important because we see so many things in the world these days which are contrary to God's law and to feel a genuine sorrow at these things because if God is someone we love, then anything which offends God also offends us. And I think that really comes to a head when it's something that we're doing in our own lives that we know would displease God and, and coming to terms with that. Let's talk about love of one's neighbor, but specifically love of enemies, because I was, you know, I'm tracking along with St. Albert through this and I'm thinking, yeah, 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 I want my enemies to go to heaven. And then... And then he drops this bomb on me, Father, Indeed. and he says, Indeed. it's not enough. <laughs> Indeed. Um, I mean, you know, of course we wish everyone, even our mortal enemy in heaven, but he says, no, that don't have control over. To love them as we love ourselves, we, we have to wish for their happiness and well-being um, even while they're on earth here. So, um, yeah, so I think that's enough to pray for the salvation of their souls, but to think, well, <laughs> their life on earth, you know, doesn't matter to me or, or you know. Uh, no, we have to actually seek their genuine happiness, um, not just their conversion. So we have to, um, you know, if we can help them, we have to try to help them. If something bad happens to them, we should feel sorrow for that. Um, and he points out a, a little earlier that although we're bound to love uh, everyone in the same way as we love ourselves, that doesn't necessarily mean we're bound to love them with the same intensity or with the same degree of effort or responsibility. Obviously, uh, those we are connected with, our family members uh, and so forth, we, we're going to work a lot harder for them than we are for strangers. 
but we still equally wish them uh, happiness and well-being, both in this present world and, of course, salvation in the world to come. Yeah. I mean, when he points out the fact that we should not be feeling sorrow at something that uh, good that happens for our enemies, you think of how many instances we have that pang of sorrow when we see an enemy succeed in some way and this this became such a challenging chapter it it, you know any i'm sure we have that feeling and one thing he mentions as a sign of of hatred is when you hear a person's name or even think of them and you kind of get this unpleasant feeling this kind of cringy feeling um, to be struck with sadness or dejection. I, I guess, you know, so many of us from time to time do experience that in relation to particular people. But he alerts us to the fact that that, in fact, is contrary to this commandment of love. Does this book get any easier to swallow, Father? <laughs> uh, I'm just it, kidding. It, 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 continues, it continues to be challenging, Annie, and I think that's because... St. Albert was such a a great observer of human nature and also his own mind and his own heart. So he often hits the uh, nail right on the head with things which, you know, speak deeply to all of us. Yeah, absolutely. He makes the point that our adversity often is uh, the better spiritual benefits to us than when we have good things happening to us. I mean, all of this stuff was just so striking, and we're only in chapter one. So, oh boy, humility's coming up next. So, that one should be fun, too. <laughs> the Paradise of the Soul is the name of the book by St. Albert the Great, translated by Father Robert Nixon. Father, really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Granny. God bless you, and God bless all your listeners. You too, Father. Thank you. All right. 18 past. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. The most original Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. On Mother Angelica Answering the Call, Father Joseph and Doug Keck mine decades of phone calls answered by Mother Angelica. Mother dishes out teaching, advice, laughter, and plenty of prayers as she takes calls from her family. Mother Angelica Answering the Call, Sunday afternoon, 2 Eastern, on EWTN Radio. 19 minutes past the hour, here's Anna with headlines. 
Republican Congressman Jim Jordan and House Majority Leader Steve Scalise have both thrown their hat in to be the next Speaker of the House. Catholic Relief Services is calling the Pope's latest apostolic exhortation a rallying cry for crucial policy work on climate change. And the gathering of the Synod on Synodality is now underway in Rome. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It is funny, like, so, um, you know, now that we have cameras up, you can see that, like, you're trying to figure out, you can see the, the confused look on your face when you're trying to figure out if uh, Father Robert Nixon is dealing with a delay, doing a live Did I uh, have a really stream from Australia? Look on my face. I wasn't looking at First myself. thing in the morning when the <laughs> signal goes literally from the opposite side of Earth. Yeah, it's like the middle of the night for him. Yeah, it's pretty but, amazing. Oh my gosh, Matt. That Albert the Great book. Oh yeah. This it's is going to be it's going to be an intense be 42 weeks. Oh my goodness. 42 virtues. Bring it on. It's 21 past. Sacred Heart Radio is your local Catholic station and your source for news from the Catholic perspective. SacredHeartRadio.com is where you can find and share information on issues facing Ohio in November that are so important to the pro-life community. And that's not to mention our commitment to prayer. At SacredHeartRadio.com, you'll find resources and events to help you pray for a culture of life. So please visit SacredHeartRadio.com, your local source for pro-life information and prayer. Hi, this is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. If you need life insurance, I can help process the best options for you and your family. You can reach me at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marian Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted, quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Stephanie Mann. Go read her excellent blog over at supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Anna. Nice to talk to you again. It is nice to have you back, and we're continuing our series on the mementos of the English Martyrs and Confessors by Father Henry Sebastian Bowden. And today we're going to be talking about another confessor, so someone who did not die a martyr, is not necessarily uh, beatified or canonized either, but but still right. very much consequential 
in the time of persecution of the church during the the English Reformation. And today we are focusing on a man named George Gilbert, who formed what was known as the Catholic Association. So what was the Catholic Association and how did Gilbert come to found it? George Gilbert uh, founded this association. It was a group of the terms used are they were brave, young, Catholic men of land and fortune. In other words, they had money mm-hmm. and they were part of English society who then dedicated themselves to maintaining the funds that the, pre- the missionary priests would need, uh, making sure that they had all the uh, accoutrements they needed, they had horses, the right kind of clothing, and then led them around to these priests to the different uh, Catholic homes so that they could serve the, the recusant Catholics. This is in the this was formed in, in uh, the early 1580s. Uh, in 1581, it was approved actually by the Pope, Pope Clement the Thirteenth, uh, uh, to do this. Excuse me, Gregory the Thirteenth, uh, in 1580 on April 14th to do this work. And so their their purpose was again to support the missionary priests in all these different ways. So as the missionary priests were encountering all these dangers from the pursuivants or those who were on the lookout for Catholic priests being in England. Uh, and uh, trying to spread and, and maintain the Catholic faith, these young men were also in danger as they helped support those those priests. Yeah. And so it was a dangerous time. And then and all of a sudden, the, the interesting thing is just that date. It was approved in 1580. And then in 1581, as, as the Jesuits again started going to England as missionary priests, the English government realized the danger or thought this was the danger that they faced was these uh, missionary priests, especially because St. Edmund Campion issued his great brag in which he says, this is why we're here. This is what we want to do. So they started to crack down and hunt for these priests in a more more organized way, just as this group had started organizing a way to get the priests around. So it, it came at a dangerous time indeed. Yeah, and we'll get more into that in in just a second. But first, tell us more about the life of George Gilbert. What do we know? Right. I thought this was interesting in the... uh, uh in Father Bowden's description of this Catholic association, particularly talking about George Gilbert, he said that he was had a large fortune. And the interesting terms I thought he used, he said he was a Puritan by profession, but he followed in his youth the life of a gay cavalier. So Puritan <laughs> and cavalier, you don't usually associate you don't put together. Those two together. Yeah. <laughs> so he was, yeah. But I guess he was having, he was enjoying his life. Well, I guess maybe he thought he was one of the elect, so it didn't matter, right? Sure, <laughs> According sure. to Calvinists. Yeah. So he went abroad, and then he went to Rome. And as often happens, the beauty of the church, the piety of Catholics that he saw attracted him to the Catholic Church. And he was actually reconciled by to the Catholic Church by Father Parsons, who was one of the great Jesuit leaders and would be one of those who would organize on the continent all the ways that Catholic priests and laity would be formed uh, uh, at the different Jesuit and other colleges. And so then he returned to England, and then he started this process of of uh, devoting himself to the missionary priest with this, this Catholic association uh, with papal approval. And Father Bowden uh, emphasizes that these members promise to live like the lives of the apostles. And, and mm-hmm. in fact, he uses, Father Bowden uses a verse from the Acts of the Apostles to say they, they had everything in common. They worked together. They helped the, sustain the church. And so they were uh, starting this process of, of helping the, the Catholic priests in 1581 through 1582 about until they had to leave England for the, because of the dangers that they were facing. 
Yeah. So what happens to George Gilbert in that time as they flee? He goes. To, he goes to actually to Rome, back to, back to Rome, and he becomes a student at the Venerable English College there in Rome, that where so many of the priests, missionaries, and and martyrs would die, uh, would graduate from and go to England. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, one of the things that Father Gil, Father Bowden mentions that's so important that Gilbert did was he started funding the frescoes that were that at one time they don't now, but illustrated the chapel of the English college in Rome that highlighted these, not only the past martyrs of England, like, uh, uh, well, like St. Thomas Beckett and those from earlier generations, but also these new Catholic martyrs who were suffering. And particularly one of those that's most opposite to to thinking about the work he'd been doing was a, a, and I have it on my blog spot for this entry, a uh, depiction of the martyrdoms of uh, Saints Edmund Campion and Alexander Bryant and Ralph Sherman Sherwin mm-hmm. on December 1st, 1581. And I think this may have been his greatest contribution to the whole cause of, of Catholicism in England because those frescoes were used when finally in the late 19th century, England could take pause and, and the diocese and, and the, the authorities in England could look back and say, these are men and women, these Catholic martyrs, who should be honored, should be raised to the uh, honors of the altar and become blessed and, and saints uh, in our church. And these frescoes were used as saying, see, there has been a, a, a pattern of veneration. They do have, a, people do have devotion to them. And so that was very important. So in a way, what he did as he was not in that very active pursuit of, of helping Catholic priests in England, what he did when he was in Rome before he died of a fever on October 6, 1583, was this process of, of illustrating the the great martyrdoms that were taking place in his own age in England. Well, there you go. Thank you so much, Stephanie Mann. You can find her linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Republican Congressman Jim Jordan and House Majority Leader Steve Scalise are both launching bids to replace Kevin McCarthy as the Speaker of the House, a group of Conservative Republicans voted along with Democrats on Tuesday to oust McCarthy. An election for House Speaker is set for next Wednesday. Meanwhile, in Rome, the General Assembly of the Synod on Synodality is now entering a second day of deliberations. The delegates will be meeting all month long in Rome. The Catholic News Agency reports that as they began the gathering yesterday, the Relator General of the Synod, Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich, encourage them to read the sign of the times in order to discover a grammar of synodality for our time. He said, quote, just like the grammar of our languages changes as they develop, so does the grammar of synodality. It changes with time, end quote. The lead bishop for environmental issues for the Bishops' Conference of England and Wales has said the Pope's new apostolic exhortation on climate change, Laudate Deum, is a pressing call to address the current climate and environmental crisis with immediate action. 
From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini has more. In a video interview published on the website of the Catholic Bishops' Conference of England and Wales, Bishop John Arnold explains why, after the publication of the Laudato Si encyclical letter in 2015, the time for renewed action for the environment is now. It was a very powerful statement, but it was with strong warnings. And the unfortunate thing is that eight years on, several COP meetings later, we really have not been achieving the targets that those COP meetings have agreed. And the damage is not being reduced. In fact, in some ways, it's increasing. And some of the predictions of the environmentalists about what will be happening to the climate are proving to have been um, simplified. And they're actually accelerating faster now than those environmentalists were thinking. Bishop Arnold remarks that there are many reasons for action. Echoing Pope Francis' words, the English bishop therefore reiterates that each and every one of us has our part to play to address the crisis. I think we've got to understand that we are stewards of creation. Each and every one of us has our part to play. They may seem to be trivial measures that we take in order to save electricity, save water, eat less red meat, all these sorts of things, all small in themselves. But if we put them together, then they do make a big difference. From a Christian perspective, the lead bishop for environmental issues recalls that we can't take the most important commandments seriously unless we include nature and the environment. If we're really going to love our neighbour, we've got to look after the world in which we live because too many people are suffering through climate change and we've plundered other nations for our profit. I am Lisa Zingarini. The U.S. bishops are welcoming the new exhortation. James Rogers, chief communications officer for the USCCB, said in a statement, quote, USCCB President Archbishop Timothy Broglio has been on retreat with the Synod delegates and is participating in the opening sessions. Archbishop Broglio and his fellow bishops in the United States look forward to spending time with the exhortation in prayer and identifying ways to continue their shared witness on behalf of God's creation, end quote. 400 more Ford workers in Michigan are being told not to report to work today due to the United Auto Workers strike. Ford says the layoffs are for 350 employees at the Livonia Transmission Plant and 50 employees at the Sterling Axle Plant as those factories make parts for the Chicago assembly plant, which was included in the UAW's strike expansion last Friday. The 2030 World Cup will be played in six countries across three continents. Trey Thomas has more. Morocco, Spain, and Portugal will be the official co-host of the tournament. Meanwhile, FIFA awarded the three opening matches to Argentina, Paraguay, and Uruguay in honor of the 100th anniversary of the World Cup. Uruguay hosted the first ever World Cup in 1930, where it beat Argentina. I'm Trey Thomas. And the MLB wildcard round is complete. The Arizona Diamondbacks, Minnesota Twins, Philadelphia Phillies, and Texas Rangers all swept their best of three playoff series to advance to the divisional series. It's 35 past the hour. Put your money where your heart is. Do business with someone who shares your faith and values from Sacred Heart Radio's Angels List of Underwriters. And don't forget to tell them where you found out about them. Go to sacredheartradio.com and click 
Angels List. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. During the hottest of weather, Schneller Knockelman will keep you cool with air conditioning repair, installation, and maintenance. Schneller Knockelman. Find us at skpha.com. skpha.com. The Comboni Missionaries present Taste of Mission Family Event, Saturday, October 7th. Enjoy international food booths, a beer and wine garden, and shopping from around the world at the Mission Market. Fantastic music, a special area for the kids, and new this year, a petting zoo. Admission is free. The Taste of Mission, Saturday, October 7th, from 4 to 8 p.m. at the Comboni Mission Center on Nagel Road in Anderson. More information at combonimissionaries.org backslash T-O-M. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of St. Faustina, Thursday, October the 5th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockeman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Be ready for rain later today. Right now, temperatures in the lower 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, we're starting off mostly cloudy with the overcast skies. Rain likely after about 2 this afternoon and a high of 78 degrees. Rain likely tonight, otherwise overcast, with an overnight low of 61. Isolated showers tomorrow, otherwise mostly cloudy, with a high of 72. For the Miami Valley, Dayton area, cloudy this morning with rain developing this afternoon and a high of 77. Overcast with rain tonight and an overnight low of 60. Mix of clouds and sun, chance of an early day shower tomorrow and a high of 72. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Very happy to have you along with us on a Thursday morning. Father Philip Michael Tangora joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a pastor, a canon lawyer, and author of Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life. Good morning, Father. Good morning, everybody. Good to have you back. So uh, we've uh, talked about one set of dubia that got sent to Pope Francis uh, from Cardinal Burke and Cardinal Zen and and Cardinal Sarah and others. And that really took the Catholic talking head world by storm. So some, many, may have missed that there was a different set of dubia submitted to the Pope and also received a reply from the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith um, from the Czech bishops. What were their dubia all about? Their dubia had to deal with the Moris Laetitia, uh, which was the Pope's apostolic exhortation based off of the two synods on marriage and family uh, some years ago. And this had to deal with that uh, question of the internal forum solution and the situation of those who are divorced, civilly remarried, but not annulled, not married or convalidated in the Catholic Church, and their ability to receive the sacraments, especially the Eucharist. And we received this uh, response uh, from the uh, dicastery the, uh, con- uh, of the Doctrine of the Faith, as well as signed and approved by Pope Francis himself. And though it, what it has done is it says that those who cannot get an annulment and are civilly remarried, 
there is now retroactively to the date of the promulgation of Amoris Letizia, they can now appeal to the internal forum with their priest and through discernment, spiritual accompaniment, and the sacrament of penance, hmm. then approach the Eucharist. What is Even the internal that, forum? Sorry, can I ask that real quick? So the, sure. The internal forum is spiritual direction. It's the sacrament of penance. Oh, okay. It's anything that is not, if you will, the external forum, the things that are made publicly manifest. Sure. Okay. Now, um, well, you have some thoughts. Yeah. So the situation is uh, there are... Uh, you're now having someone who is in an adulterous relationship, objectively so, uh, being able to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion, of the Eucharist. So there are a couple of things that have arisen in the dubia that uh, have led me to some questions, all right? Because there's also the talk of other spiritual means of participating in the life of the church, that should be offered to those who cannot remain continent in their non-sacramental union. So the question is, first of all, I should say Pope Francis and the dicastery of the doctrine of the faith made clear that along with John Paul and Pope Benedict, that such people should live, uh, it, since they're in a non-sacramental union, out continents. Mm -hmm. However, Pope Francis has recognized that it could be an incapacity to remain continent in their non-sacramental union, which brings up my first question, who is incapable of being continent? I too can understand the difficulty of being in this, in a matrimonial type relationship, but incapacity means that one is truly unable to do something. To practice self-control, yeah. Exactly, so if the person is incapable of controlling themselves sexually, then there is also the incapability of a sacramental marriage in accord with Canon 1095, number three. Hmm. So why is it that, this, that they are incapable that language of incapacity is very significant canonically. Uh, and so I, I'm wondering who is truly incapable of being continent versus just having the difficulty of remaining continent in that relationship. Well, it's a good question to ask for sure. And also, can you talk about the idea of, of a valid confession in these circumstances? Yes. So what we have is the issue of contrition versus attrition, which also arose in the dubia, question number five of Tuesday's response to the dubia of the five cardinals. Mm -hmm. uh, if a person is engaging in an objectively adulterous sexual relationship in a non-sacramental union and remains in this state of affairs, then there, then where is the real desire to reform one's life, which is necessary for a valid confession? Mm. So that's a that's a question that arises from this uh, dubia that would need to be answered. And lastly, can a priest ever sanction the sexual acts of an illegitimately married person? Hmm. So the pastoral accompaniment of a priest could never condone a violation of the sixth commandment of God. Thus, the accompaniment of a priest needs to help them regularize the marital union. If they cannot get an annulment, which is an incredibly rare occurrence, then the priest needs to help them to live a continent lifestyle 
and mercifully hear their confession if they fall. So, I mean, I, I really kind of feel that, because uh, the thing is the dubia does make clear that the ordinary means of regularizing one's marriage would still be the fact that they get an annulment by going through that normal process and then have the, themselves married in the church or convalidated their marriage in the church. So tell me this, so that, Father, in in your opinion as as a canon lawyer and, and understanding all of the language coming out of the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith here, I mean, is this would would this constitute a change in church teaching on the sacrament of marriage? Uh, it, it goes to the line. Let's put it like that. Okay. It definitely it goes to the line. Uh, there are some real questions uh, because how how can we ever have a permission for a violation of the sixth commandment? How can our spiritual accompaniment and discernment say to this couple who are in an irregular marriage, go ahead? Hmm. You know, and then what does that say about the sacrament of marriage for everybody else who is living that sacramental marriage uh, and, 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 you know, and having that authentically? See, the one thing is that it does talk about those who cannot get, and that's really where its focus is, those who cannot get an annulment. And so this would be pretty about, narrow then, I guess. It would be incredibly, incredibly narrow. Uh, you know, in my own tribunal here in the Diocese of Patterson, nine out of 10 cases are annulled. Mm -hmm. All right. Get an affirmative decision. Uh, that 10 percent uh, of cases that are not granted an annulment uh, in an, an affirmative decision, uh, there's still maybe the fact that it could be retried on alternative grounds or something like that. There, there could be a, so you're never necessarily just shut down. You could always appeal that decision. You could always uh, try it on and introduce new grounds. And then there's also this situation that uh, it was brought up in the dubia of one who was abandoned. Well, even if the respondent does not participate, the tribunal can decree that part party absent in accord with Canon 1592, paragraph one, and the trial moves forward. Hmm. So even if the person's not going to, the other party's not going to participate, that's not a, that's not a end of the story. They don't have to participate. Uh, they have the right to be heard. They have the right of defending themselves and, and being, and being able to present their own arguments and being made aware of all the different procedural steps of the trial and where things are at, but they, they do not have to participate for an annulment to move forward. All you need is the petitioning party. Seems to me you know? that there needs to be a lot more knowledge of this entire process and what is available to people. Like our parish priests need to know more about this so that they can direct their parishioners in the the right way to a, be able to help them pastorally through this so that they can a, be regularized. Absolutely. There should be more workshops for pastors, but the best thing for a parish priest to do is tell the person, 
contact the tribunal. Yeah. Yeah. No pastor should be telling a person if they can or cannot proceed with an annulment case. Yeah. They should always leave that in the hands of a canon lawyer. That is not the role of the pastor. Well, we'll leave that little piece of advice right there for folks as uh, <laughs> as we close out this conversation with Father Philip Michael Tangor. I really appreciate you coming on to talk about this, Father. Thank you. God bless, everybody. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. All right. It's 13 Till. Our Catholic counselor, Kevin Prendergast, is next. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, sponsored by Fathom Events, is in theaters Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Mother Teresa and Me, in theaters Thursday, October 5th. More information at fathomevents.com that's fathomevents.com are you looking for peace longing for joy want to meet the giver of all goodness god is calling the laity to bring ignatian prayer into the suffering world work for the new evangelization go to lordteachmetopray.com order your free digital training and manual find true happiness and everlasting joy go to lordteachmetopray.com And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. Beyond Damascus with Dan Denete and Aaron Richards is our show for young adults. Everybody's talking about encounter. Everybody's talking about that mountaintop experience. What we fail to often talk about is what happens after, what happens beyond that Damascus moment. Jesus Christ is calling all of us to be missionary disciples, disciples of Jesus who are on mission to bring the kingdom of God here and now on this earth. Beyond Damascus with Dan Denete and Aaron Richards, Saturday at 8 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Later today on Catholic Answers Live, Jimmy Aiken, Mark Brumley, two hours of open forum. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. With us on this Thursday, October the 5th, the Sunrise Morning Show continues. It's always great to talk to Kevin Prendergast, our pastoral counseling correspondent, as it were, who's got lots of experience in the classroom, also in private practice. Kevin, good morning. Hey, good morning, Matt. You know, this time in the morning, there are a lot of people looking at what they've got going on today, and they are stressed out about it. And uh, there are a lot of people who kind of probably went to bed stressed last night and, uh, you have been stressed maybe for a few weeks or longer, <laughs> you know, maybe since the start of school, maybe longer than that. Uh, how do we determine uh, from your experience, mm-hmm. you know, as a pro in this area, whether we're just stressed out or whether we're in the realm of what uh, can be diagnosable as a possible anxiety disorder? Yeah, exactly, Matt. So I think just distinguishing would be helpful. So we hear too much about the mental health illness epidemic that's going on. And I always am cautious about that because there's a lot of self-report inventories, which are not 
the most valid ways to determine prevalence of mental disorder. So stress is not a mental disorder, and a little bit of anxiety is not a, a mental disorder. And, you know, we start with a couple of presuppositions, like life is difficult, as one of our psychiatrists said. Our Lord said, in the world you will have trouble, right? So he says, says that, uh, you know, in his last uh, conversation with his disciples. So he's not promising a bed of roses. So we have difficulty. And is that always a mental health disorder? How do, what, what are some keys here? So one is that for anxiety, let's talk about this first in Mental Health Awareness Month, anxiety. So for an anxiety disorder, there's probably about 80 80% of the population do not have that. So it occurs in about one out of five people that have a diagnosable, they meet all the criteria. And those are things like social anxiety, generalized anxiety, phobias, OCD, panic disorder. Uh, but I have a lot of people that come in and say, they, well, I think I have OCD because I like to have my spices organized. But it's helpful to look at, you know, when we look at the diagnostic research and the prevalence over a year is about 1% of people actually have OCD. Only about, you know, 2 or 3% have generalized anxiety. So we all have stress. But I think it, it might be a little bit of a consolation, like, okay, stress is happening. And I like to think about it as a, it's kind of a red flag or a big red warning light going off that says something's out of balance. There was a you know, pop movie that came out back in the 70s. I think it was called Koyana Watsi, which was Life Out of Balance, which I, and I always like that, that Life Out of Balance. Yeah, you so know, as I you're saying one, this, mm -hmm, I'm thinking about mm -hmm. this because there's so many parallels, right? Uh, you know, we could mm -hmm. talk about how we, you know, maybe want to remove all sense of pain from our life, physical pain, but physical pain is actually very useful. <laughs> you know, it yeah. tells us when we need to stop uh, doing a certain thing because our body's like, you know, it will hurt if you continue to do this, right? Uh, yeah, there you are... know that you, yeah, exactly. You, you, you're, an, you're an athlete and you've had injuries and sometimes we, you know, work through the discomfort, but an injury is something different from discomfort. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm not trying to minimize like when people like people do have anxiety disorders and need a mental health professional. So, uh, you know, the attack that I'm taking these days, Matt, is when a lot of people, especially the younger folks, come in and they've been on social media a lot and there's a lot of self-diagnosis. So I say, I want to take that seriously. So you're obviously feeling some distress. Let's try to look at what's going on in your life. You know, do you need... You know, to, you know, more of an assessment to see if you need medication. And some people absolutely need medication. I always encourage in these segments, you should be talking to your primary care physician regularly. They see a lot of this. They're pretty good at distinguishing. But is medication the first thing that I should try? And that's a good question a lot of the PCPs will ask is, what else have you tried to take care of this? And, and sometimes we do the bad things, like, and that's in our segments, we've talked about ugly coping. So the thing about ugly coping to relieve stress, and those are things like, you know, doom scrolling through the news or binge watching or doing gaming or drinking pot, pornography, uh, you know, all the kinds of things, junk food, retail therapy. Those give us immediate relief, uh, but the, it wears off pretty quickly, and it doesn't fix the problem. Wait, are you saying that the psychological list mm -hmm. of damaging behaviors matches pretty closely the sorts of things that the church tells us are sinful behaviors? <laughs> yeah, and, and it also matches pretty wildly, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and it is, and, there, and we talk about virtuous habits, <clears throat> right? So by doing, you know, certain things. So if we look at, like in my lifestyle, you know, my eating sleeping, exercising, physical activity? Do I have some uh, service that I'm doing to help other people? How are my relationships going? So if I'm really stressed out, 
I would say generally the question I ask my clients is what's out of balance in your life? Like, and you know, the thing about ugly coping or avoiding what anxiety wants us to do is to avoid the situation that we're afraid of that's uncomfortable. And it actually, it gives us immediate relief. It's a reinforcer. Uh, the anxiety, the stress goes away when we avoid something. I'm just going to go play games for a couple hours and I don't have to think about my marriage or my problems at work. Maybe I should change my job or my kid who's in trouble or, you know, the fact I'm drinking too much or whatever. So I don't need to look at that, but it comes back with a vengeance. So if I look at like, what am I avoiding? And if uh, the stress might be a sign that there's something in my life that I need to pay attention to, and that doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It just means, you know, I need to get my courage up. And that's where prayer, talking with somebody, having an accountability partner, somebody that can guide me, a spiritual guide. And sometimes that's not enough. See, that's why if we do that as a first level, look at my lifestyle, look at my relationships, look at what I'm avoiding. And I'm still feeling really anxious and it and it's impairing. That's the key thing here, Matt, is it usually lasts for six months and it causes significant impairment of my daily activities. Well, that's not stress doesn't do that just on its own, but an anxiety disorder does. So Jesus also said, in the world, you will have trouble, but take courage. I have conquered the world so we can fall back on our faith, but use our primary care physician, use the psychologist, uh, use all the other tools that we have as well. Well, and if you, you've said in this and so many other segments, you can't fix this kind of thing like flipping a switch, right? It takes yep. a little bit of participation and work and, you know, just like anything else in our faith life, a little cooperation with grace. <laughs> so yep. there's a lot to be said uh, on this topic. Thank you for unpacking it a little. Kevin Prendergast, he's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. we got another full hour coming up here after the break. Please do stay with us as the Sunrise Morning Show continues. It's 3 till. Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith, when Erica Ahern will explain why the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act is not a good law. Dr. Jennifer Roback-Morse will share the latest news from the Ruth Institute. I will talk about staying hopeful in the midst of confusion and rejection, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers Drs. David and Michael Rothen have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirmed. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, 
Hall, The Difference is Love, on Madison Road, 513-751-5880, on the web at stmargarethall.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. I'm Father Ethan Moore from Catholic Bearcat, University of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Thursday, the 5th of October, the Feast of St. Faustina. Let's pray a prayer that shows up in her diary together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Help me, O Lord, that my eyes may be merciful so that I may never suspect or judge from appearances, but look for what is beautiful in my neighbor's souls and come to their rescue. Help me, O Lord, that my ears may be merciful so that I may give heed to my neighbor's needs and not be indifferent to their pains and moanings. Help me, O Lord, that my tongue may be merciful, so that I should never speak negatively of my neighbor, but have a word of comfort and forgiveness for all. Help me, O Lord, that my hands may be merciful and filled with good deeds, that I may do only good to my neighbors and take upon myself the most difficult and toilsome tasks. Help me, O Lord, that my feet may be merciful, so that I may hurry to assist my neighbor, overcoming fatigue and weariness. Amen. St. Faustina, pray for us. May we be merciful people today. Uh, There are a lot of people around us hurting who don't uh, maybe have the connection to faith, connection to Christ that you have. And uh, you could be those hands and feet, those ears and eyes of mercy in your world today. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls. Travis is working on the video live stream. You can view that through our show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Frank Donio along this morning with more thoughts on the spirituality of St. Vincent Pilati. We'll also talk Bible foods with Rita Heikenfeld this morning. More thoughts from Gary Machuda on the reliability of the gospel accounts in the New Testament. And then Courtney Brown will join, join us from Rua Woods. They are a Theology of the Body education apostolate, and uh, they've got some grade school curriculum to talk about this morning. So uh, you don't need to wait until, you know, everything gets problematic in your teenage years to start having Theology of the Body conversations. There's ways to talk about it from the get-go. Right now it's two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. 
morning. House Republicans are now in the midst of trying to find a new Speaker of the House after Kevin McCarthy was voted out of the role this week. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan and House Majority Leader Steve Scalise of Louisiana both launched their bids yesterday. Oklahoma Congressman Kevin Hearn is also considered to be a likely contender. All three members made their pitch to the Texas delegation this morning which is the largest in the Republican conference. The House is currently on recess, and a speaker election is set for next Wednesday. Catholic Relief Services is calling the Pope's latest apostolic exhortation a rallying cry for the crucial policy work needed to change paths to address climate change. CRS released a statement in the wake of the exhortation being released, saying, quote, In Laudate Deum, Pope Francis again calls us to action, highlighting the urgent need to care for our planet as the climate crisis deeply affects our global communities, especially the most vulnerable. At Catholic Relief Services, they say we stand with those communities facing the harsh impacts of the climate crisis from deadly droughts to forced migration. This unity drives our push for policies that lessen climate impacts and encourage sustainable development, end quote. The gathering of the Synod on Synodality is now underway in its second day in Rome. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Taken one way, a synod is any such gathering of believers. Over the centuries, there have been many hundreds of them in many different Christian churches. In the Catholic Church, however, the term Synod of Bishops has taken on a special meaning since the Second Vatican Council in the 1960s. Following that council, Pope St. Paul VI established the Synod of Bishops to continue the collaboration between prelates, which had been such a great success at the meeting. This Synod of Bishops remains active to this day. It's consultative. That means it aims to help the Pope with his tasks of teaching and governing the Church, but it doesn't actually have any decision-making power itself. However, this meeting of the Synod of Bishops, which is referred to as a General Assembly, is unique in that participants will not only be members of the hierarchy. On Pope Francis's instruction, around 20% of attendees will be non-bishops, priests, male, female religious and lay people. Some of these were proposed by bishops' conferences around the world before being approved by Pope Francis. Others were appointed directly by the Pope. All will have the same voting rights as the bishops. Moreover, Pope Francis has specified that half of the non-bishop participants must be female. Thus, for the first time, women will have the right to vote at the General Assembly of the Synod of Bishops. The Assembly will last a month to be followed by another one in October 2024. After that, the Pope is expected to release an apostolic exhortation, that is, a letter summarizing his takeaways from the meeting. I'm Francesca Merlo. 400 more Ford workers in Michigan are being told not to report to work today due to the United Auto Workers strike. Ford says the layoffs are for 350 employees at the Livonia Transmission Plant and 50 employees at the Sterling Axle Plant as those factories make parts for the Chicago Assembly Plant. The Chicago plant was included in the UAW's strike expansion Last Friday, Ford officials claimed the layoffs are not a lockout. Meanwhile, negotiations to end the Hollywood actors' strike will resume on Friday. The actors' union made the joint announcement yesterday with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. The statement said both sides met yesterday for a bargaining session and that negotiations will resume tomorrow with the parties working internally over the weekend before returning on Monday. The actors' union is seeking a new three-year contract from producers that includes protection from AI technology and more profits from streaming revenue. 
The head of Homeland Security is calling for construction of a border wall in parts of Texas. Mark Mayfield has the story. Fox News says DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is citing an acute and immediate need to waive dozens of federal laws to build a border wall in parts of Texas where illegal migration has surged recently. The announcement, published in the Federal Register, calls for border wall construction in Starr County along the Rio Grande, where the Biden administration says there is a high illegal entry. I'm Mark Mayfield. And Prada is helping to design NASA's new astronaut moon suits. The high fashion company was chosen to work on the suits by Axiom Space, a private company that was awarded a NASA contract last year to modernize its astronaut suits. Prada spacesuits will be worn on NASA's Artemis III mission in 2025 when the U.S. will send astronauts to the moon for the first time since 1972. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I'd recognize Prada if I saw it, to be honest. I um, am looking up images. Okay. So um, I don't know who can see me on the video live stream. Accessible through sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. But I believe what I'm wearing today is... Not uh, Prada. I think it's... Um, J. Crew the Outlet con- Collection oh, neat. might be J. Crew the Outlet Connection. Yes. So if you go to the outlet near me and the J. Crew, uh, you can go and you can find stuff that's in the in the nice. back of the, the man clearance rack. You know. Nice. I go. I go very very hard. Uh, although uh, I think my jeans may be Kirkland. I can I'm not one entirely up you. All almost all what I'm wearing today. It's all hand-me-downs from my younger sister who lives in New York City. I was going to say that it may say certain things on the level, level, but most of what I wear somehow or other is from the St. Vincent de Paul collection. So yeah. not most, but there's, there's some good shirts. I feel you, man. It's good t-shirts. Gotta love it. Well, today is Thursday, October the 5th. It is the Feast of St. Faustina. Also, the feast of Blessed Bartolo Longo, who is a favorite of us here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Go look up his story from Satanic Priest to uh, Promoter Apostle of the Rosary. Pray for us. It's nine past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Anna. So we've spent a few weeks together talking about the life and spirituality of St. Vincent Pallotti. Today we're going to talk about the legacy. So his spirituality lived today. Tell us about the Palatine family um, that that looks to St. Vincent Pallotti as as their father. Well, when Pallotti died, he only had eight priests and, and three brothers. Uh, actually, four brothers, and so this this little group that was there uh, was the only thing he had, other than uh, a, a small group of of sisters in the orphanage that that had been created by the the group of lay people, religious and clergy that he had founded, which later came to be called the Union of Catholic Apostolate. 
And by 1854, he dies in 1850, 1854, the community loses its name of Society of the Catholic Apostolate because the name was always considered pretentious, that only uh, only the the papacy and the hierarchy did the, could do apostolate. It was a whole scene. And we were named Pious Society of the Missions. Now, part of Pilates' charism was international missionary work or, or promotion of the missions and assistance for the missions. He never went to the missions, but he wanted to start a mission college and so forth. And later that did happen. And now the Palatines are 2,400, the priests and brothers, 2,400 in 56 countries wow. because of this international missionary effort. We didn't get our name back until 1947. And then we started to look again at the fullness of our charism, the aspect of, of lay people and religious and clergy collaborating with one another in the mission of Christ, this understanding that Pilate had of everyone being an apostle, which ended up in the documents of the Second Vatican Council and the decree of the apostle of the laity, and which St. John Paul II was part of writing, and so was the general of the Palatines at the time, Father Wilhelm Moller. And we we continued in this in this way, uh, and we have communities of sisters, two pontifical communities of sisters that are in different parts of the world, as well as uh, a number of other communities of sisters, communities of lay people, and individual lay people who belong to this association called the Union of Catholic Apostles. So thousands and thousands of people uh, throughout the world. And he was interested in as I've mentioned, universal apostolate. So we could do all sorts of things in terms of our work, as long as we were assisting people in coming to faith, either the, for the first time or reviving their faith mm -hmm. and rekindling charity. Can you talk and about so the various ways that that this um, this plays out in in the modern times? Like what kind of work do the Palatines do um, in the Catholic apostolate? Well, there's Catholic Apostolate Center, yeah, uh, the, and that's part. That's part one of our more contemporary ways of doing that. Other ways in which we've we've done that are, are forming lay people, particularly uh, to be able to go forth and witness Christ in their daily lives. Uh, this is done also through educational institutions, even also healthcare, uh, in uh, in a, many many parishes often mission stations, remote mission stations. Uh, so it's also, it's the first, it's first evangelization, first proclamation, or the mission agentes, as they say, um, or in the church, or uh, this reviving faith or something that we would talk about in terms of new evangelization. And it is this opportunity, and Pilate understood this back in the 1830s in Rome, when this was not really something that was, was popular. And so, we ha we continue to do that today in all sorts of of ways, but it it the key part because Pilate wanted a universal universality of activity and a universality of means. So whatever way we could do that, whether it's through publishing, whether it's through teaching, whether it's through being with a person at their sickbed, it's being with the poorest of the poor. Whatever way we can do that, that brings Christ and we are being living as apostles and we're helping others to live as apostles. I mean, this is living out our baptism, is it not? Absolutely. 
and and apostolate really is that it's living out it's living out the bap, uh, our baptismal call and maybe that's a a possible thing for us to talk more about in in future of what apostolate is because unfortunately even though that's a a word that is used uh, greatly within the documents of the Second Vatican Council. It's a word we've kind of lost. Yeah. And and very and few people tend to use it. And yet, it it, it doesn't. You don't need somebody's permission once you're baptized. You, you are part of the mission of doing the mission of Christ and going forth. Yeah, in union with the church. Um, of course. So when it comes to Palatine spirituality, um, I mean, I know that you don't have like an age cutoff per se, but it does seem like you particularly, Father Donio, and I'm wondering if this extends to to the Palatines in general, seem to have a, a real charism with youth. Yes. Well that was something that was was a was certainly part of of Pilates way of uh, of functioning as well. He was very interested in in the education of youth, including including seminarians, he he worked with seminarians as well. So th- that kind of of work has been part of what we what we do. Uh, it's not certainly not the totality of what we do, mm-hmm. uh, and it, but it is a, a focus uh, in in some of our work. In some instances, we're involved with educational institutions. But I would say. In all of our different, in our parochial work and whatever we do, we t- do take a particular focus on youth because when you form people and you help them to be close to the church so that then they can go forth and proclaim Christ. And, and that needs, that really is important to do at a, with younger people, most, most especially. Well, they got the energy. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> They do, but and, but also it, it. Hopefully, you're you're they're moving in a particular direction for the rest of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Keep up that energy. Keep up the intensity. Is one of a great movie they say. In a good, never mind. I'm just going to leave it there. Father, this was great. And yes, I would love to talk more about what apostolate means. Um, perhaps maybe the next time we get together, the the difference between apostolate and ministry. Um, sure. And, That's and something I teach, yes. Perfect. We found the perfect man for the job. Father Frank Donio, we've got the Catholic Apostolate Center linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you so much. Thank you and God bless. You bet. I wonder if Matt knows that movie reference. I would be very curious to hear. Keep up the intensity. Anyway, 17 past. I'll find out next. Headlines as well. Stay with us. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, sponsored by Fathom Events, is in theaters Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Mother Teresa and Me, in theaters Thursday, October 5th. More information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. 
Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. Saints are the heroes of the Catholic faith. They serve as examples for all Catholics, showing us how to lead a more satisfying, more spiritual life in communion with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. View our comprehensive documentation of saints who serve as theologians and doctors of the church. Visit EWTN.com and click Catholicism. EWTN is the Global Catholic Network. 19 pastors, Anna with headlines. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan and House Majority Leader Steve Scalise of Louisiana have both launched their bids to be the next Speaker of the House. The gathering of the Senate on Synodality is now in its second day of deliberations, and the U.S. bishops have welcomed the Pope's new apostolic exhortation on climate change. Today, the Feast of Blessed Bartolo Longo, former satanic priest who had a massive conversion, became an apostle of the Rosary, founded the Shrine of Our Lady of Pompeii, which if you go to the National Shrine in Washington, D.C., you can see a uh, a little Our Lady of Pompeii shrine. You, if you walk in the front oh, really? big doors, oh, and you hang a immediate left and look towards the back, it's a little, huh. little chapel in there. Cool. Um, but since we connect everything that we can to the game of baseball, mm-hmm. we want to wish a happy name day to Bartolo Colon, nice legendary pitcher, who nice. played for eleven different teams in his twenty-two year career, three of which. The Twins, Rangers, and Braves are still in the playoffs. Wow. So there you go. There you have it. And I did catch your movie reference, Anna Mitchell, but keep up the intensity. You do know that movie? All I can say is, why are you wearing tape on your nose? Exactly. That's all I've got. Exactly. Exactly. Anna Mitchell. I'm... Anna Mitchell goes for the obscure movie references. Well, anything with Wes Anderson, basically. Yes. That explains that explains your uh, your wardrobe from the kicker from the news segment yes, as well. Absolutely, the Wes Anderson collection. <laughs> it's twenty one past. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith. But Erica Ahern will explain why the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act is not a good law. Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse will share the latest news from the Ruth Institute. I will talk about staying hopeful in the midst of confusion and rejection. There's frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozart Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. Hi, I'm Mara Kegney Tipton with the Kegney Family and Cowell Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, brother, Patrick, and I are here to help your family find the perfect home. If you have any real estate questions, 513-720-1411. The Comboni Missionaries present Taste of Mission Family Event, Saturday, October 7th. Enjoy international food booths, a beer and wine garden, and shopping from around the world at the Mission Market. 
fantastic music, a special area for the kids, and new this year, a petting zoo. Admission is free. The Taste of Mission, Saturday, October 7th from 4 to 8 p.m. at the Comboni Mission Center on Nagel Road in Anderson. More information at combonimissionaries.org backslash T-O-M. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. It is time for Bible Foods with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. And we always like to take a look at events and uh, foods mentioned in the Bible and take a look at how they're all connected and maybe uh, use those as a way to meal plan liturgically according to the season. Rita, good morning. Morning, and we've got a couple good ones today. Yeah, and they kind of dial into, at least to start, uh, the idea that October is dedicated to the rosary. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. And, you know, um, one of the most popular mysteries is, is the luminous mysteries, Matt. And w- the reason is, I think, and they focus on the life of Jesus and the work he did really from the time he was baptized to, to offering the first Eucharist. And um, one of the most recognizable events is when Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding in Cana. Most of us remember that um, as far as reading about it and learning about it. It was a, really the very first miracle Jesus performed. And I was wondering if you could give your take on it as far as what happened there. Well, there's just so much to unpack uh, because, you know, not only is this Jesus's first miracle, you know, it kind of kicks off uh, a lot of other miracles down the road, but it's just Mm -hmm. such a cool window into what Catholics believe about the role of Mary in the life of the church, right? Because she goes and makes petition on behalf of people, right? But then she turns around to the people and says, do whatever he tells you. So there's just such a great way to understand uh, where Mary fits into everything uh, in regard to this. But, um, you know, of course, there are these water jars, uh, 20 to 30 gallons, uh, Jesus says, fill those up with water. The servants do that, and then Jesus asks them to dip some out and take it to the master ceremonies. And, uh, of course, the servants follow those instructions. And uh, can you imagine having been that master ceremonies, Rita? I don't know how you would have reacted, but I can imagine it was a strange scene. Oh, my gosh. Uh, first of all, I have to think that um, Mary, you know, she was a mom, and she told Jesus, you need to do something, even though he didn't think the timing was right yet. He, he did, as his mom said. Yeah, and when the servants um, filled those uh, jugs, those took those water jars over to the master of ceremonies and told him to taste it, I, they were probably wondering what the heck's going on. He tasted it, um, and he was just amazed that water had turned into wine, but not just any wine. It was a real high-quality wine, Matt. Um, and then you think of this analogy, you know, at, at every other celebration, and, and this is true today even, um, people might serve the best wine first, and then later when the guests were, oh, what I would say, rather tipsy and maybe couldn't tell the difference, um, the lesser uh, wine would be brought out. But at Cana, the best wine was saved for last. And I think the lesson here, and I want your take on this too, is we need to take our hopes and, and plans to Jesus, but accept his answer be patient because 
as we always say, his timing is perfect timing. It may not be ours, but it's perfect. What do you think? I, I like it, and I think that Jesus is always kind of building us towards something better and greater, right? Mm-hmm. Even if we can't see, uh, right? Even if it all looks like water around us, he's got some. He's always got something that we don't know about uh, that is uh, waiting for us down the line. But since we're talking about weddings. Uh, and since we are entering into fall more deeply, and this is soup season, you've got an Italian wedding soup uh, that's a great recipe and is actually not that complicated. Oh, no. it's I call it wedding soup. It's not a true Italian wedding soup. It's sort of a riff on the classic because it's really, really simple. Um, and I'll have this on my site along with your minestrone, which is amazing, I have to say. Um, but with the um, easy Italian wedding soup, you just um, take some escarole or a romaine or spinach and cut it up and then set it aside. And then you make real simple teeny tiny meatballs out of ground chuck, some parmesan, breadcrumbs, milk, and an egg, and uh, some salt and pepper. And basically you um, make those marble-sized meatballs and cook them in some chicken broth. And then you add noodles or rice. And cook it all together. And to serve it, um, you take two hard-boiled eggs and just divide it among the bowls, slice those eggs thin, ladle the soup on top, and then give it a shower of Parmesan. Really simple and delicious. And as I said, really sort of nice for fall weather. And you need to tell us about your minestrone because it is so versatile. And I have made it, oh, gosh, a couple times. But you, of course, took a, a classic recipe and did a matte thing with it. Well, the way that I've done it uh, in the past, and I haven't made it yet this year, uh, but um, it's it's a lot of minestrone-type ingredients uh, mm-hmm. but because it's kind of like the autumn minestrone. Uh, I, I've used buttercup squash before. I've, also, I've used butternut squash. I've even used delicata squash. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people may not realize that most of the gourds that you buy for decoration are also edible. <laughs> so you could uh, chop up a fair amount of those and, uh, and use this. But the other... Um, the aspect of this that I, I throw in kale and I kind of eyeball it. So these, you know, ingredients can go to taste, but it's also got onions, garlic, uh, some kind of winter squash, uh, celery, mm-hmm. carrots, cubed potatoes. Oregano is a secret ingredient here. It's not even that much of a secret, but it really kind of pushes everything together. And then, you know, wa- water, vegetable broth, uh, chopping the kale, cannellini beans, which are a personal favorite of mine. And yeah, I mean, you just, saute the onions and garlic and then you kind of dump it all in i mean it's not super complicated which is the great thing about soup this time of year yeah and it is it's so versatile too and i love um the oregano because that's a, a secret ingredient when you say secret it really does lend a lot of flavor to soups and a lot of times um being lebanese we didn't use so much oregano growing up um like other uh, middle eastern or mediterranean uh cooks but we used a lot of marjoram which is a cousin to oregano but sort of more floral so both of these are wonderful recipes um and take us back to cana this time of year well and the uh, other trick with both of our soups that we mentioned today is you make a big pot you save some and the leftovers are actually even better than the mm-hmm. first run because things have had a time to well time to get together in there so uh, we've got abouteating.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Head on over, get Rita's recipes, maybe share some of your own favorite soup recipes. Thanks so much, Rita. Have a wonderful day. Okay, Matt, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Again, abouteating.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna with news. 
Good morning. House Republicans are now in the midst of trying to find a new Speaker of the House after Kevin McCarthy was ousted earlier this week. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan and House Majority Leader Steve Scalise of Louisiana both launched their bids yesterday. Oklahoma Congressman Kevin Hearn has also been considered to be a likely contender. The House is currently on recess and a Speaker election is set for next Wednesday. The General Assembly of the Senate on Synodality is now in the second day of deliberations. The delegates will be meeting all month long in Rome. The Catholic News Agency reports as they began the gathering yesterday, the Relator General of the Senate, Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich, encouraged them to read the signs of the times in order to discover a, quote, grammar of synodality for our time. He said, quote, just like the grammar of our languages changes as they develop, so does the grammar of synodality. It changes with time, end quote. The lead bishop for environmental issues for the Bishops' Conference of England and Wales has said the Pope's new apostolic exhortation on climate change is a pressing call to address the current current climate and environmental crisis with immediate action. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. In a video interview published on the website of the Catholic Bishops' Conference of England and Wales, Bishop John Arnold explains why, after the publication of the Laudato Si encyclical letter in 2015, the time for renewed action for the environment is now. It was a very powerful statement, but it was with strong warnings. And the unfortunate thing is that eight years on, several COP meetings later, we really have not been achieving the targets that those COP meetings have agreed. And the damage is not being reduced. In fact, in some ways, it's increasing. And some of the predictions of the environmentalists about what will be happening to the climate are proving to have been um, simplified. And they're actually accelerating faster now than those environmentalists were thinking. Bishop Arnold remarks that there are many reasons for action. Echoing Pope Francis' words, the English bishop therefore reiterates that each and every one of us has our part to play to address the crisis. I think we've got to understand that we are stewards of creation. Each and every one of us has our part to play. They may seem to be trivial measures that we take in order to save electricity, save water, eat less red meat, all these sorts of things, all small in themselves. But if we put them together, then they do make a big difference. From a Christian perspective, the lead bishop for environmental issues recalls that we can't take the most important commandments seriously unless we include nature and the environment. If we're really going to love our neighbour, we've got to look after the world in which we live because too many people are suffering through climate change and we've plundered other nations for our profit. I am Lisa Zingarini. The U.S. bishops have welcomed the new exhortation. James Rogers, chief communications officer for the USCCB, released a statement yesterday saying, quote, USCCB president Archbishop Timothy Broglio has been on retreat with the synod delegates and is participating in the opening sessions. Archbishop Broglio and his brother bishops in the United States look forward to spending time with the exhortation in prayer and identifying ways to continue their shared witness on behalf of God's creation. End quote. President Biden plans to soon deliver a major speech on the importance of supporting Ukraine in its war with Russia. Biden told reporters at the White House yesterday he'll make the argument it's overwhelmingly in the interest in, of the U.S. that Ukraine succeed. 
Funeral services for the late U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein will take place in San Francisco today. The now private service will take place this afternoon on the steps of San Francisco City Hall. The late U.S. Senator and first female mayor of San Francisco died last week at the age of 90. President Biden's dog, Commander, is no longer living at the White House. The two-year-old German Shepherd has a history of biting Secret Service agents and those working at the president's home. Yesterday, CNN reported the dog is no longer living in the White House as the president and first lady decide where the best place for him is. There, there's been at least 11 reported incidents of Commander biting people. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. Family, please know that Sacred Heart Radio has never sold or shared our mailing list with anyone. So when you donate or sign up to receive our newsletters, be confident that Sacred Heart Radio will not sell or share your information with other organizations. This is Chris Knockelman, owner of Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Our family has been a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio for more than a decade, and we encourage other businesses to do the same. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center is offering weekend retreats this fall led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join us this October for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at jesuitspiritualcenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of St. Faustina, Thursday, October the 5th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockeman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at SKPHA.com. You ready for rain later today? Right now, temperatures in the lower 60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, we're starting off mostly cloudy with overcast skies. Rain likely after about 2 this afternoon and a high of 78 degrees. Rain likely tonight, otherwise overcast with an overnight low of 61. Isolated showers tomorrow, otherwise mostly cloudy with a high of 72. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, cloudy this morning with rain developing this afternoon and a high of 77. Overcast with rain tonight and an overnight low of 60. Mix of clouds and sun, chance of an early day shower tomorrow, and a high of 72. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Gary Machuda. He is the author of a number of books, including a new one, a newer one, called The Gospel Truth. And it goes into the reasons why we can trust the gospel accounts. Gary, good morning. Morning, Matt. So you have uh, this whole argument that you kind of lay out, uh, and this is in Chapter 5, about the, the idea that we, we want to be able to verify Jesus's miraculous works somehow um, in order to be able to say, oh, we can trust the Gospels. But that's kind of hard to do because these are from a very long time ago. But it's also easier to do than if he did them all completely privately and then just told us about him later. So if you could, you, you've kind of got this analogy of a miracle worker in a basement, and you extrapolate it out to help us understand why these accounts are more trustworthy 
than people might think. Yeah. yeah I, um, so I do this little mental exercise. And, you know, a lot of the, my book is based on common sense. It, basically, I said picture somebody who claimed to have performed a, a miraculous healing in his basement. And that's an incredibly small footprint, right? Because how could you verify that there actually was a miraculous healing that occurred? All you have is the word of the miracle worker and uh, the person healed. I suppose you could probably look at medical records for the person healed. But that's about it. You know, it's a very, very, very small window that you could verify. So I, I say, okay, let's put more witnesses in the basement. Let's let's say 12 witnesses and have them there and they witness the miracle. Well, you know, what's the possibility that this could be true and authentic or, you know, could it be a hoax? And, you know, the, the footprints kind of made a little bigger because now you have the two people, the, the mir- purported miracle worker, the purported person that was healed, but you also have people who witnessed it. But, you know, in my book, I keep throwing in extra skeptical things like, you know what, there's lots of uh, magicians out there, illusionists. If they control the environment, they can make things appear as if they happened when they didn't. And so we say, okay, well, let's see if we can make this a little bit more difficult. Let's take them out of the basement. Let's put them out on uh, some environment that he can't control. You have the 12 witnesses. You have the person healed and the magician. You know, then the window gets a little bigger, and we just keep expanding it and expanding it until eventually you get to a point where it's a situation where it's incredibly hard to pull a, a hoax. For example, you have multiple locations in front of multiple unstaged audiences, and we even throw in the mix some people who, can, you know, it's in their best interest to debunk the person doing it. And, you know, you have layer upon layer of things that make it almost impossible for uh, a magic trick, hoax, uh, fabrication to be pulled off. And then I ask the question, well, when you look at the Gospels, what fits best? Is it the miracle worker in the basement, or is it that last scenario? And what I show is that, uh, you know, there's all different uh, layers of witnesses, but often you find it's the most difficult situation to pull off a hoax. You know, it's Jesus did his miracles in multiple locations in front of unstaged audiences, some of which were his followers, some were actually hostile to his claims. Uh, you also have pastor buyers. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it really does achieve the highest possible level for someone who's really skeptical to be verified. Well, Internet atheists, but also um, really kind of progressive biblical scholars will tend to say things about certain kinds of these miracles to say, well, you know, this is this might not have been a miracle. It might have just been sort of perceived to be one. So let's say Jesus comes to someone who's uh, you know, distressed, and the scripture says they're possessed by a demon, but maybe Jesus has just kind of like got a really calming presence, and this person just sort of calmed down because they saw that Jesus was a peaceful person, and that started them on kind of a path towards, you know, something better. Or, uh, you know, maybe this person's, you know, fever just happened to break around the time that Jesus showed up, right? Or uh, perhaps, mm-hmm. you know, the, the most famous one is, oh, uh, the real miracle of the multiplication is that Jesus 
you know, asked for somebody to give something. This kid brought something, and all these people are like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll share my lunch too. Uh, but <laughs> you can't. You you can you can go round and round with people on that, but you can't go round and round on that with a guy who everybody saw mud get rubbed in his eyes, and now he can look, and now the Pharisees are examining him, <laughs> right? Right, exactly. Um, you can't you can't do that with those, which makes it more likely that those others that you could sort of debate were actually probably miracles too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's you know you can diminish miracles to a point, and then it gets absurd, like. Uh, some people say that the, the Jews crossing the Red Sea was actually, they were, they were crossing the sea at a point where it was only three or four inches deep. And, you know, if you minimize it that much, then you have an even greater miracle on the other end because the Egyptian army got drowned in three inches of water, right? <laughs> so if, you know, Jesus' miracles is merely that he calmed somebody that was really upset and they thought it was a demonic possession, like you just said, the greater miracle is that Jesus' own enemies would mistake this as something incredible. And, of course, they didn't. They, they, In fact, they never even contested the fact that he did it. They just contested whether it came from God or not. Well, or they contested his timing of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> like right. Uh, they, their, their issue uh, was not that he did not perform a miracle. It was, why did you do this on the Sabbath? Right. I mean, it's very it's a weird argument to make, isn't it? Like right. if, if, if the miracle didn't happen, if a man's withered hand, you know, you could see somebody stretch out their hand and like in real time it is healed. I mean, these are strange, strange things to even claim as miracles. I mean, you know, the, the raising from the dead of Lazarus, that's a that's a hard thing to fake. Uh, I mean, you could say, oh, well, Jesus and Mary and Martha and Lazarus were all in on this thing, and here's the deal. You're going to lay in there wrapped up for four days. You know, it it just becomes preposterous if you try and explain some of these away. I, there's just not a reasonable or rational way to do it. Yeah. In fact, you brought up a really good point that I didn't put in my book, is that it, in our imagination, we often think these people only exist when Jesus came to heal them. But, like, for example, the man born blind, you have a whole host of people that have interacted with him throughout his entire life. So they knew the exact nature and extent of his illness, right? So that when it's healed, you know, then you have those same people who can verify that there was an instantaneous radical change. And, you know, so, you know, if you look at the Gospels with that kind of realism— yeah, it's almost impossible to say that these are misdiagnosed, you know, uh, small things that just so happen to all occur. And like you said, rather surprisingly, with this guy named Jesus. Well, I mean, as I'm going through and thinking of that case of the man born blind, uh, you know, the the level of long game you'd have to play to pull off that you know, that scam, <laughs> you'd just be like, all right. So I'm going to approach this couple getting ready to give birth, and I need them to convince their child from the moment it's able to speak to tell everybody that it's blind. And then, you know, decades later, we're going to pull off the we're going to pull off the trick. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. it would be insane to try and think about what would necessarily go into to try and pull that off as though it was just a mere illusion. Uh, there has to be something deeper and richer there. Right. It's the equivalent of the Egyptian army being drowned in three inches of water. You know. Yeah. 
Exactly. Well, there's a lot more to say about this uh, and the reliability of the Gospels. You can find these arguments and others in Gary Machuda's book. It's called The Gospel Truth. It's uh, all about uh, how we can know what Christ really did teach and do. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Gary, thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Matt. You too. All right. 14 till. We're back right after this. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Mystic Monk Coffee has brought back their pumpkin spice blend, and unlike the competition, buying their coffee has the added bonus of supporting the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming and the Sunrise Morning Show. Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click the Mystic Monk link to get that or any of their other coffee blends or teas. When you check out, we earn a commission. And there's no better vessel for your Mystic Monk pumpkin spice latte than a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug. Find those in our online store. Do pumpkin spice the Catholic way. Just head on over to sonrisemorningshow.com. This month's devotion is to the Holy Rosary. St. John Paul II called the Rosary his favorite prayer, in which we meditate with Mary upon the mysteries, which she, as a mother, meditated on in her heart. The Rosary is one of the most cherished prayers of our Catholic faith. Join in this devotion to Mary and strengthen our connection to Our Lady with rosary beads, bracelets, boxes, pouches, and rings. Available at EWTNRC.com. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Later today on Catholic Answers Live, Jimmy Aiken, Mark Brumley, two hours of open forum. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 minutes before the hour, here's Anna with headlines. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan and House Majority Leader Steve Scalise of Louisiana have both launched their bids to be the next Speaker of the House. The General Assembly of the Synod on Synodality is now in its second day of deliberations, and the U.S. bishops have issued a statement welcoming the new apostolic exhortation from Pope Francis, which was released yesterday. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 11 till. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Courtney Brown, Executive Director of the Ruah Woods Institute. Courtney, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, and how are you? I am doing just fine. Always excited when I get to talk to you. Um, our Cincinnati audience, I think, is quite familiar with the Ruah Woods Institute. Our national audience may not be. So could you quickly give us a description of your mission? Sure. So, Rulewoods Institute, our mission is to form and equip and accompany men and women to live out their vocation according to 
God's plan for love, and we do it through what's informed in the theology of the body. So we're a theology of the body-based ministry that helps with psychological services here, but we also have a national outreach where we try to bring uh, this beautiful teaching of theology of the body to schools and parishes. Yeah, and you do that through this curriculum that you have. And I know you recently revised it for uh, children in grades kindergarten through fifth grade. We're going to be starting a series talking about each of these levels. But in general, Courtney, how does this curriculum work? So we have a K-12 curriculum, but it's kind of the best way to look at it. It has an approach that has four different pillars. So the first one is it's, we're trying to transmit the worldview that was laid out in a Christian anthropology that John Paul II had, this idea that the world is good, the body in itself is good, right? So that God created us, made a body, and the body is good. And that's kind of what our culture has a hard time with right now is this idea that God, God made the body good and it reveals something of himself. And we know that God is good. And then the second pillar is this idea of awakening wonder trying to instill in students and children and those who we teach this idea of wonder and awe, like the time and the space, this idea of seeing the world as gift, seeing each other as a gift and understanding that we are a gift and that we're made in the image and likeness of God. And from there, this idea that our curriculum has activities that put this into an experience. So the theology of the body is meant to be experienced. So this curriculum isn't just something that we disseminate knowledge to the students, but it's for them to be experiencing that which they're learning. So, which is ultimately leading to this approach that we use called dialectic. So our curriculum is very dialogical, which comes from those Socratic Western roots, you know, of uh, question and answer, but it's really meant to just get the kids to really process what they're learning. So we use a very dialectical approach in terms of teaching this information. And for children, particularly in in the earlier grades, you actually use children's literature to help them enter into this teaching, correct? Why do you do that? Yeah, so the, for the K to five, we use classical literature. And the reason is, is from what Dr. Sutterman put, you know, put so well is that it teaches with both sides of the brain. It connects both of them. And that's a mention mm. too, that idea of story, the power of story teaching deeper truths. So we know Jesus did that, right, with parables, but we also have these uh, literature books that have such great value and such, uh, what I like to say, is timeless truths, right? Not things that are trendy in time. And not to say, you know, the Dog Man series or Captain Underpants isn't, isn't worth reading, per oh, se. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> it's just one of those things where those aren't necessarily literature that holds timeless truths, right, that right. bring us understand what it means to be a human being. Oh, gosh, I hope my daughter is listening to you right now, Courtney. Please go on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you can say those things are funny, but, I mean, that's really about the only value it brings. <laughs> but in terms of, you know, those deep nuggets of, like, when you look at classic stories, it actually teaches us about life and how and how suffering matters, how to get through suffering, too, right? Like, yeah. So some of these things that Disney so eloquently gets out of, like, gets rid of, right? So, Absolutely. Anyhow. Yeah, so yeah, we use the story to convey these deep truths. Yeah. So what did you revise? I should say I should start off this question by saying there are a number of dioceses and schools that have already implemented this curriculum. I know here in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, it's a, a diocesan wide thing. So 
So there will be some listening now that have already been using this curriculum. But what did you revise? So in the K to five, what we ended up doing in there is not the revision came more for how to actually teach it, deliver it into a classroom. So in terms of its method and its approach and the stories we use, that didn't that didn't change. Some of the activities, we, we updated some new activities, but we, what we really did in the teacher's guide is we did two things here. We actually broke it up. So this is how to do the lesson. These are the activities to do that. This is when to do it. Here's the prayer. So we, and almost in a way, wanted to make it out of the box ready. And then we added this whole new student activities book, too, for the K-5 to where all the things the teachers were um, printing themselves and making copies of, we made that we took it made it easier for them by giving students access to that without them having to do that. Oh, so the very nice. Now have a company piece to the curriculum, and we I meant to I forgot to mention too, but inside we also put some tidbits for parents and ways that they can talk to their children about the stuff that they're learning from that particular lesson. So there's some updates in there. So that was what we did to revise it in terms of its methodological approach, as I mentioned before. That stayed the same. So, and we and the stories have stayed the same as well. Sure. Okay. So we are going to be doing some mini lessons uh, on each of these uh, over the next few weeks together, Courtney. But before we let you go today, can you just talk about the uh, the feedback that you've gotten so far from from teachers and dioceses and DREs and the like about how this is being received by children? So the, a lot of the feedback we get is extremely positive and that the kids are one of the most things that the teachers love is the, the presentation and how beautiful it is when, so we use a lot of sacred art and how that helps. But that idea of the dialogue, dialectic constantly get emails about just how impressed teachers were with the conversations that were happening in their classrooms. But sometimes we, as educators, well, I don't say educators, but sometimes we can think that kids can't quite grasp these things, but they actually can. And they just need help guiding them to learn how to articulate that. And they're having experiences too. And one of the things we want to make sure as teachers and educators and parents is we want to make sure that we're helping them articulate those experiences. So we get a lot of that. And then also to the activities, and how much the kids really love theology of the body and how when they talk about it and talking about themselves as gifts and how they are they're made in this image and that I remember one kid said, I'm not a mistake. I'm not. Especially wow. when came. Yeah, it was you pretty know, cool. If if that is all that they take away from it, that is a huge victory. It's called Revealed, God's plan for the human person. You can find Rural Woods linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Courtney, thank you so much. No problem. You have a great day, Annie. You too. Thank you. All right. That'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. If you're planning to give an end-of-the-year gift to Sacred Heart Radio, we are grateful. And there are several ways to give, including a stock gift through your IRA or a donor-advised fund. There's planned giving, employee matching funds. You can send a check, donate online, and more. Contact your financial advisor for more information on the tax benefits of donating to Sacred Heart Radio. And to see and read about all the ways to give, visit SacredHeartRadio.com and click on Ways to Give.
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers Drs. David and Michael Rothen have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Ken Herbert Plumbing is a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. With over 20 years' experience in residential and commercial plumbing service repairs and rated A-plus from the BBB, Ken Herbert Plumbing, 513-383-2974. 513-383-2974. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. For Catholics, being united with God for eternity is the goal of earthly life. A Catholic cemetery is sacred because it holds our bodies, once temples of the Holy Spirit, until the Lord comes again. The Archdiocese of Cincinnati has consecrated Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery to provide this ministry and remind us that life is not ended, but changed. Today, you can ensure that you and your loved ones are interred in accordance with your faith. Call 513-489-0300 or visit gateofheaven.org. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center is offering weekend retreats this fall led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join us this October for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. I'm Precious Blood Father Kevin Scow from Archbishop McNicholas High School. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at SacredHeartRadio.com. Continue on this Thursday, the 5th of October. It is the Feast of St. Faustina. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we put our trust in you. You led your people through the sea dry shod. Let us put our trust in you as you lead us through this day's challenges. You fed your people in the desert. Let us hear your word of life amid the noise of our busy lives today. You gave your people water from the rock. Let us drink from the fountain of life and not from bitter and polluted waters. O Lord, our God, you sent into the midst of faithless humanity the living bread, your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to nourish and strengthen us on the road. Through the mystery of the cross, you poured forth upon us the Spirit, the water of life. Have mercy on our lack of trust and lead us in your ways today through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Faustina, pray for us. And since it's his feast today as well, uh, blessed, I almost called him Saint, blessed Bartolo Longo, pray for us. 
He's still in the pipeline. If any of y'all are looking for miracles, feel free to drop his name and uh, and see what happens. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Uh, we are the Sunrise Morning Show coming to you from Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Up this hour, Mike Aquilina from FathersOfTheChurch.com will talk about the history of the church in Armenia, which goes back pretty much all the way to the beginning. Father Sebastian Walsh will discuss the settling, uh, I'm sorry, the settling, the setting of the Sermon on the Mount. So it's actually where everybody settled in at the Sermon on the Mount. I'm trying to figure out a way to reclaim that sentence. Jeannie Mancini will discuss the Ohio March for Life coming up. Of course, she's in charge of the national one. And then Father John Gavin will look at what St. Augustine has to say about the church as a pilgrim body, a pilgrim church. Stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning in Washington. House Republicans are in the midst of trying to find a new Speaker of the House after Kevin McCarthy was voted out of the role this week. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan has thrown in his hat as well as House Majority Leader Steve Scalise of Louisiana, both launching their bids yesterday. Ohio Congressman Kevin Hearn has also been considered to be a likely contender. All three members made their pitch to the Texas delegation, which is the largest in the Republican conference. The House is currently on recess, and a speaker election is set for next Wednesday. Catholic Relief Services is calling the Pope's latest apostolic exhortation a rallying cry for the crucial policy work needed to change paths to address climate change. CRS released a statement in the wake of the release of the exhortation saying, quote, In Laudate Deum, Pope Francis again calls us to action, highlighting the urgent need to care for our planet as the climate crisis deeply affects our global communities, especially the most vulnerable At Catholic Relief Services, we stand with those communities facing the harsh impacts of the climate crisis from deadly droughts to forced migration. This unity drives our push for policies that lessen climate impacts and encourage sustainable development, end quote. The gathering of the Synod on Synodality is now in its second day in Rome. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo has more. Taken one way, a synod is any such gathering of believers. Over the centuries, there have been many hundreds of them in many different Christian churches. In the Catholic Church, however, the term synod of bishops has taken on a special meaning since the Second Vatican Council in the 1960s. Following that council, Pope St. Paul VI established the synod of bishops to continue the collaboration between prelates, which had been such a great success at the meeting. This synod of bishop remains active to this day. It's consultative. That means it aims to help the Pope with his tasks of teaching and governing the Church, but it doesn't actually have any decision-making power itself. However, this meeting of the Synod of Bishops, which is referred to as a General Assembly, is unique in that participants will not only be members of the hierarchy. On Pope Francis's instruction, around 20% of attendees will be non-bishops, priests, male, female religious, and laypeople. Some of these were proposed by bishops' conferences around the world before being approved by Pope Francis. Others were appointed directly by the Pope. All will have the same voting rights as the bishops. Moreover, Pope Francis has specified that half of the non-bishop participants must be female. Thus, for the first time, women will have the right to vote at the General Assembly of the Synod of Bishops. The Assembly will last a month to be followed by another one in October 2024. After that, the Pope is expected to release an apostolic exhortation, that is, a letter summarizing his takeaways from the meeting. I am Francesca Merlo. 
A lot of the U.S. is on strike currently. 75,000 Kaiser Permanente workers walked off the job in multiple states in what is gearing up to be the largest health care strike in U.S. history. Meanwhile, the United Auto Workers strike continues and is now in its 20th day. The union is demanding higher wages and shorter work week. And although the Hollywood writers strike is over, the actors strike continues. The Biden administration is canceling $9 billion in student loan debt for 125,000 borrowers. While speaking from the White House, President Biden said the relief will change lives and is good for the economy. The forgiveness applies to borrowers who have been on an income-driven repayment plan and the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. The move comes just days after the federal student loan payments restarted after a three-year pause due to the pandemic. The head of Homeland Security is calling for construction of a border wall in parts of Texas. Mark Mayfield reports. Fox News says DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is citing an acute and immediate need to waive dozens of federal laws to build a border wall in parts of Texas where illegal migration has surged recently. The announcement, published in the Federal Register, calls for border wall construction in Starr County along the Rio Grande, where the Biden administration says there is a high illegal entry. I'm Mark Mayfield. And take note, enforcement of Ohio's new distracted driving law begins today. Now authorities can stop motorists and issue fines if they see you using your phone or another device while driving. There are some exceptions to the law that are still okay, such as calling emergency services or checking your phone while completely stopped at a red light. The law went into effect earlier this year, but police were originally instructed to issue warnings until today. Da, da, da. You hear that, Paul? You know, the uh, funniest thing is my car, the screen itself, like the you mm-hmm. know display screen, is way bigger than my phone. So if I'm even changing the radio, I mean, technically, you know... Well, yeah. uh, on, their, on their grounds, just by by mm-hmm. adjusting the volume. Well, you could... shouldn't be doing that while you're driving. Well, my my steering wheel has that anyway. Well, there you go. But it's, stick with the steering wheel. You know, stick yeah. with the steering aren't, wheel. Aren't, you know, I think I said this the last time. Aren't these the same people that have uh, like laptop computers in their car? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, not the lawmakers who no, 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 no. The people that the are going to give me place, the... those who have to enforce it. Yeah, the pe- yes. Yeah. yes, so they can run your license plate and find out if you're a criminal or not. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah they full on the internet right there. It's pretty cool. Eight oh eight. You don't go be a policeman now, Paul. No, I, I, my, I have, uh, I have friends that are that are cops. Sports on Sacred Heart Radio brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Go ahead. So there's a big celebration at TQL Stadium last night uh, considering that uh, FC Cincinnati won the Supporter Shield. Unfortunately, they lost the game last night 2-1 to one to the New York Red Bulls, but uh, still a lot of fun, a lot of festivities. Club will head to Inter-Miami on Saturday. I think they have a good player down there that uh, we got to watch out for. Bengals. In dire need of a win, that's according to the man himself, Joe Burrow, met with the media and said that Sunday's game is a must win. That sounds about right. Bengals sit at a 1-3 record. That's good enough for dead last in the AFC North and uh, have uh, 
ranked dead last in offensive yards and total touchdowns. That can change. Hopefully it does on uh, Sunday. Wild card baseball. You know, the worst case scenario happened. Everybody won, which means there's no baseball today. No baseball today. today. Yeah. But I guess there is football today. Thursday night football. Chicago Bears taking on the uh, Washington Commanders. Not a whole lot of people are excited about it, but uh, Commanders open as six-point favorites. (laughs) There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, Let's see if they're – hopefully everyone's paying attention to the roadways. Let's get to traffic now. Traffic, a service of Rose Automotive. Brian Vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton. And on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. What you got? Do not look at your phones, folks. Do not. Okay, southbound 71 is slowing from Field Turtle to the Norwood Lateral. Uh, Southbound 75, slow through the Lachlan Split. Northbound 75 as you're approaching the Norwood Lateral. In northern Kentucky, the slow traffic is on northbound 7175 from 275 up to the river. Northbound 471 from Grand Avenue up to the river. And inner loop of 275 going through the construction down there at the bottom of the loop. You're slowing from Turkey Foot over toward Mineola Pike. Now, for weather, grab the umbrella if you haven't left today and plan to be outside this afternoon. Looks like rain will be coming here. Mostly cloudy to overcast skies in Cincinnati. Rain likely after about 2 this afternoon. A high of 78 degrees. Rain likely tonight, otherwise overcast with an overnight low of 61. Mostly cloudy tomorrow with isolated showers and a high of 72 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, cloudy this morning. Rain showers developing this afternoon with a high of 77. Overcast tonight with rain and an overnight low of 60. Mix of clouds and sun tomorrow and chance of an early day shower and a high of 72 degrees. Today is Thursday, October the 5th, the Feast of St. Faustina and a Sunrise Morning Show favorite, Blessed Bartolo Longo. Pray for us. 11 past now. Matt? From fathersofthechurch.com, we're joined now by Mike Aquilina, who's got lots of great resources out there. And among them, he does the Way of the Fathers podcast for catholicculture.org. We've been talking lately about uh, really important and key locations in early Christianity. Mike, good morning. Morning, Matt. All right, so Armenia's been in the news a lot. Not near as much as it should be, uh, unfortunately, but because of all the conflict and genocide uh, that's going on there right now, it's a good time to turn our attention to the story of Armenia and the history of Christianity. And it's an early story, right? It's a very early story and a very important story. Armenia is so alien to us. Uh, If you look at the the Christian art of Armenia, it startles you because it's so different. It has a, a kind of Persian quality to it, a kind of Asian quality to it, but it's also recognizably, you know, influenced by the West. Armenia is a kind of cultural crossroads, uh, and the Armenians managed a synthesis of many different cultures and their art forms, their literary forms, and and so so when when Christians see it. They're astonished by it, and they're saying, like, where have you been all my life? <laughs> I can remember that kind of reaction when the Metropolitan Museum of Art had a uh, an exhibit uh, on Armenia s- several years back, and, and so many of the reviews were just 
you could hear the the audible gasp in the reviewer it was it was amazing but that's the way armenia strikes us today especially in the west because it's so startlingly different and then you you learn that it's always been there it's always been around it was the first christian country on earth you know wrap your mind around that and when you look at the map and sort of see where it is uh you know on your way from you know, lebanon towards the Caspian Sea, you draw a straight line, you're going to hit Armenia, <laughs> right? And That's so it's right. it's right there in the paths of the travel that the apostles and the people that they'd been evangelizing would have been coming back and forth from, right? That's right. And they, and again, it got all those influences. It even got all those sounds, you know, in its, in its language. Its traders brought back all of these sounds, all of these words from, from many different directions. So the Ar- Armenian uh, alphabet that was developed to accommodate those sounds consists of 38 letters. I mean, in our alphabet, we only have 26, and, and English can kind of rest easy in those those 26 letters, but even 38 seems like not enough to contain the Armenian uh, the Armenian sounds, and uh, it's pretty it's pretty amazing uh, that that it that it was created at all. You know, it was created by Christians that alphabet in order to produce a literary culture that could accommodate the scriptures and the other Christian writings, the writings of the Church Fathers. All right, so what kinds of things then, if we're looking at the heritage of the Church in Armenia, uh, what kind of things do we see there? Well, I mentioned that exhibit at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Uh, Armenia has a rich tradition of iconography. So um, so that's what, what... would astonished people. That's what what really caught the eyes of the reviewers and and captured the hearts of the reviewers. Uh, so so there's the Armenian iconic tradition, which is very unusual, very unlike anything we see in uh, in the the Greek tradition, the Byzantine tradition, or or the Latin tradition. Uh, so that's that's. Uh, that's that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is just the fact that Armenia was a crossroads. It managed to to get and translate the literature from many other places uh, around around it. So um, so there in Armenia, you have not only productions from Armenia itself, from the Armenian fathers, but you also have um, monasteries that preserved the works of Greek fathers and Latin fathers that would otherwise be lost to us. I mean, think about it. Irenaeus, one of the greatest fathers, right? One of the most important figures in Christian history. One of his works had been lost for centuries before it was rediscovered in an Armenian monastery, and it had to be translated from the Armenian. So the only reason we have that work of Irenaeus today is because it was translated from Armenian. Uh, So Armenia really does have a distinctive culture. It's all its own. It really is. Uh, But it, it also has managed to preserve so much that's important in the other cultures, the Greek and the Latin cultures that were dominant in the world at that time. You know, it's fascinating because we've had these conversations before about the places where Christianity first flourished or where some of these great minds and great movements were taking place. And the casual armchair History Channel watcher will say, oh, that was all Europe. But, you know, we've talked before about how Africa was like a center of such things. And Armenia is basically Asia, right? 
Uh, yes, yes, yes. And, and, and once you get into the history of Christian Armenia, it all sounds surreal. I, I mean, that's what, what one, that's the word that one of uh, the commenters used in responding to my podcast. It all sounds surreal, and yet it's corroborated by many other historians from other places. Uh, you, you know, what happened in the third century is that one of the Armenian kings was assassinated right and the king only had one heir and his heir was whisked off to rome for protection as the the parthians took over armenia and the assassin had a, a, a son only one child a son who was whisked off to cappadocia well what happens is that the son of the assassin becomes uh, a Christian while he's in Cappadocia. He's also brilliant. His name is Gregory. And the king, the, the, the king's son, comes back to rule in Armenia eventually at the behest of the Romans. And eventually they come together and they don't know about their, their shared history at, the, at that time. But the, the, uh, the assassin's son becomes uh, the prime minister of the king, if you could believe this. Uh, and, and eventually, through a, a series of adventures, converts the king, and the king then converts his people. And the, the, the country becomes the first Christian country. And again, this is in the midst of the Diocletian persecution. This is very early in Christian history, at a time when that was a seismic event in in international relations so um so yes it's got this this history that can only be described as surreal and its art has this surreal quality and there's a poetic quality to its literature too uh that that really hits westerners as uh as alien and yet true yeah it's fascinating we've only scratched the surface of the riches of christian armenia you go in depth into some of this stuff in your podcast uh, on the Way of the Fathers. It's at catholicculture.org, and it's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Mike Aquilina, these are always fascinating conversations. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me, Matt. All right, we got traffic and weather next. It's 19 minutes past the hour. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith, but Erica Ahern will explain why the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act is not a good law. Dr. Jennifer Roback-Morse will share the latest news from the Ruth Institute. I will talk about staying hopeful in the midst of confusion and rejection. The frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Driving home the faith. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. Good food can still be fast food. Bridgetown Finer Meats, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has a convenient online store at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. They're all your favorite prepared foods like their delicious homemade soups, beef barbecue, chicken and stuffing, and sweet potato casserole, all available at a click of a button for same-day pickup. They also have high-quality fresh meats like pork, veal, chicken, beef, and seafood, and even produce. Fast, convenient shopping on the go at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. 
Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Twenty-one minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Still the usual slowdowns right now. Southbound 71 from Fields Hurdle to the Norwood Lateral. Also looks like you're running slow northbound from uh, the uh, Norwood Lateral up toward Pfeiffer. Southbound 75 as you're heading through the Lachlan Split. Northbound 75 between 74 and the Norwood Lateral, you'll be slow. Northbound 7175 is looking a little bit better, uh, slowing from Buttermilk Pike up toward the cut in the hill and westbound 275 through the construction down at the bottom of the loop, slowing from Turkey Foot over to the 7175 interchange. Now for weather, mostly cloudy to overcast skies today in Cincinnati with rain likely to arrive after about 2 this afternoon with a high today of 78 degrees. Rain likely tonight with an overnight low of 61. Isolated showers tomorrow and a high of 72. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, cloudy this morning with rain developing this afternoon, a high of 77. Overcast with rain tonight and an overnight low of 60. Early day shower possible tomorrow, but otherwise a mix of clouds and sun and a high of 72. Please pray with me the Novena Prayer, the 54-day Novena Prayer ahead of the November election and issue one. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, protector of the unborn, pray for us. Father Sebastian Walsh joins us next. It's 24 past. Are you using the latest version of the Sacred Heart Radio app? Well, by updating or reinstalling the Sacred Heart Radio app, you get the upgraded features like the daily podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again from the Sunrise Morning Show or Driving Home the Faith. To reinstall the Sacred Heart Radio app, go to sacredheartradio.com and scan the QR code, and depending on your phone, choose the App Store or Google Play to begin enjoying the latest version of the Sacred Heart Radio app. In this crazy world, where can Catholics go with their hard-earned money and not support businesses that go against our faith? Check out the Angels List on SacredHeartRadio.com. It's a list of businesses owned and operated by our Catholic brothers and sisters who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the Angels List, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. 
not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marianne Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. Joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Sebastian Walsh. His latest book from Catholic Answers Press is Heart of the Gospel, How the Beatitudes Show Us God's Plan for Happiness. Father, welcome back. Thank you, Benny. Since we are going to be studying Scripture together as we go through this book, <clears throat> Father, specifically the Beatitudes, of course, um, mm-hmm. let's, let's start with a general principle Um, You say in the book here that it is important to read Scripture reverently and with attention to the context as well as all the details. Why is that? Well, we always say whenever we are at Mass, at the end of a reading, the Word of the Lord. So, um, you know, if you as a parent expect your child to listen carefully to you, then I think God expects us to listen carefully to him. And he's got more to say in his word than we could ever understand. St. Thomas Aquinas actually says that every word of Scripture is a participation of the eternal word of God. It's as if from God's side, God is trying to express his whole word, Jesus Christ, in every word of Scripture. So uh, we need to pay attention uh, to every little detail, because there's meaning in everything, more meaning than we could ever uncover. And not only that, but we have to read it with humility and reverence as a beautiful gift from God uh, that it is. Well, with that spirit in mind, let's look at a detail that that may not seem so significant on the surface if you're not reading reverently or paying attention to detail. I'm going to read the first two verses of Matthew chapter Mm 5. It says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, and then goes into to the Beatitudes that we know from from Matthew chapter 5. Now, it says he went up on the mountain mountain. Why Mm -hmm. the article the? I mean, why didn't Matthew say he went up on a mountain, a mountain, Father? Yes. Now, in English, that doesn't seem like a big deal to us, but it's a bigger deal in Greek, because whenever you use that definite article in Greek, in a context like this anyway, that is when you haven't already mentioned it before, um, then 
that definite article tends to mean almost always that the thing that you are calling the is the pristine example of it. Um, We do it in English sometimes. We'll say he's the man or something like that. Oh, sure, yeah. And um, and normally, if if you are using that the in the way it's being used here, the definite article, it would normally mean that you you're referring back to something you've already referred back to. So if you say, you know, usually in a text it would be something like this: Jesus went up a mountain, da da da. When he was up the mountain, and the sure. the is then referring back to the previous mountain you were talking about. But if you're introducing it for the first time and there's no antecedent like this, then um, it almost always means a case where you're, you're talking about the pristine example of something. Huh? So, therefore, a first-century Jew reading this text would immediately think, huh, the mountain? Well, the mountain is Mount Sinai. That's the one everyone knows as the mountain in ancient Israel. Well, that seems rather significant knowing that Matthew is is writing to a Jewish audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, he's not saying that Jesus actually went up Mount Sinai, but he is calling our attention to a, a text in Exodus where those exact words are used in the Septuagint version of Exodus. It says, he went up the mountain, and the person that's being referred to in that text is Moses. And so Matthew is calling our attention to the parallel between Moses and Jesus. Just as Moses went up Mount Sinai and then revealed from God the Ten Commandments, so Jesus is going up a mountain that's that's now the new Mount Sinai, and he's revealing his eight Beatitudes. So this, this idea of a list like that, um, that's comparable to the Ten Commandments is also not accidental, right? So Matthew is telling us that we're starting with a new law here. In the Old Covenant, the, the law looked like this. Thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do that. It's commandments, it's, um, um, it's orders that are coming from the outside. Mm-hmm. But in the new law, it says, blessed are you. In other words, it's drawing our heart from the inside. You know, it's a law not of fear, of punishment, but a law of love, of desire. Huh? And, and so the new commandments given by Jesus aptly begin with what draws our heart, namely happiness, happiness beatitude. Father, is it significant that Matthew tells us that he sat down? Yes. Um, typically in the Gospels, when we read about Jesus sitting down, it means he's teaching with authority. Huh? There's a kind of magisterial authority there. And, and in the church, um, that was always reflected in the liturgy when the bishop would sit down to preach his homilies. So um, for, for centuries, that's always how the bishop taught. He would, in, in the church before his homily, he would sit down and then preach to the people. And that's been actually reintroduced into the liturgy. I don't know if you know that, but um, in the third edition of the Roman Missal, that's put in as a preferred option for uh, uh, for a bishop. Even an abbot could sit down and, and preach that way. Wow. So the sitting down of Jesus signifies the fact that he is preaching or teaching with a certain authority, a magisterial authority. And Jesus himself refers to that when he speaks, for example, to... Um, 
the, about the scribes and the Pharisees. You see, he says, they sit in the chair of Moses. Therefore, whatever they command you, do. Huh? It's a really interesting text. That is a really interesting text. Now, just one last question about setting uh, before we let you go today. So there is this corresponding beatitude-type passage in the Gospel of Luke. Um, but there are some major differences, and, and like I said, pertinent to this discussion, the setting. Often Luke's is described not as the Sermon on the Mount, but as the Sermon on the Plain. Could you talk about yeah. that a little? Yes, yeah, so uh, both St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas, reading those texts carefully and, and paying attention to the details, say it's likely that what we have here are two different homilies or sermons that are being recorded. Um, it says very clearly in Matthew's Gospel that when he saw the crowds, he separated himself. He went up to the top of the mountain, and only his disciples came to him. And so that homily is the one which is more lofty, the one that was given only to his <clears throat> disciples that he had already been teaching for some time and who were already very well disposed to that higher teaching. That's why Matthew's Sermon on the Mount is much more detailed, includes a lot of lofty um, theological concepts. Uh, Luke's Beatitudes, on the other hand, are uh, his Sermon on the Mount is condensed, as are his Beatitudes, and he tends he only gives four Beatitudes in Luke, and they tend to focus on the things that are closer to the senses. Um, and interestingly, Jesus says in Luke, instead of blessed are those who, he says, blessed are you who. And he's speaking right to the crowds right there. Blessed are you who are hungry. You know, blessed are you who are poor. Not poor in spirit, but blessed are you who are poor. Because he's trying to explain to them, you people who have been following me now for three days and given up work, given up food to hear the word of God, You've shown by your actions that just your poverty is already a sign of your blessedness. He doesn't need to add poor in spirit, for example. So it's a, it's a beautiful comparison and contrast between the two homilies and the way in which Jesus teaches his disciples and then the crowds who, who are just first hearing him. Well, we'll leave it there for now, and we'll look forward to uh, diving more into this book the next time we get together. It's called Heart of the Gospel. It's from Catholic Answers Press, and you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you so much. You're welcome. God bless you. You too, Father. Thank you. All right. It is 36 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. House Republicans are now in the midst of trying to pick a new Speaker of the House after Kevin McCarthy was ousted earlier this week. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan and House Majority Leader Steve Scalise of Louisiana have both launched their bids. The House is currently on recess and a Speaker election is set for next Wednesday. The General Assembly of the Synod on Synodality is now in its second day of deliberations. The delegates will be meeting all month long in Rome. The Catholic News Agency reports that as they began the gathering yesterday, the Relator General of the Synod, Cardinal Jean-Claude Holerich, encouraged them to read the sign of the times in order to discover a grammar of synodality for our time. He said, quote, just like the grammar of our languages changes as they develop, so does the grammar of synodality. It changes with time. A lot of the United States is on strike today. 75,000 Kaiser Permanente workers walked off the job yesterday in multiple states in what is gearing up to be 
the largest health care strike in U.S. history. Meanwhile, the United Auto Workers strike is in its 20th day, the union demanding higher wages and a shorter work week. And although the Hollywood writers strike is over, the actors strike is dragging on. Federal dollars are now on the way to the Miami Valley to help address the ongoing opioid crisis. Senator Sherrod Brown has announced more than $22 million for various government and nonprofit programs across Ohio. Montgomery County is getting more than $1.5 million to support the health department's Linkage to Hope project. The city of Dayton has been awarded nearly $200,000 to upgrade police equipment as officers continue to fight the drug trade. And enforcement of Ohio's new distracted driving law begins today. Now authorities can stop motorists and issue fines if you are seen using your phone or other devices while driving. 8.38 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Here's Paul Lachman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. MLB wild card round. Is already over. Arizona Diamondbacks, Minnesota Twins, Philadelphia Phillies, Texas Rangers all swept their best of three series to advance to the divisional round. Rangers had no problem with Tampa Bay, 7-1 to final score. And their two-game sweep in St. Petersburg, Texas, will now take on the Baltimore Orioles in the ALDS. Twins took care of business with a 2 to nothing shutout win over the Blue Jays to clinch their first playoff series in 21 years. Carlos Correa will now lead his Minnesota Twins against his former team, the Houston Astros, in the ALDS. Diamondbacks down the Brewers 5-2 on the road to advance to the NLDS, where they'll face the Dodgers. And in Philly, Bryson Stott launched a grand slam to propel the Phillies to a 7-1 win over the Marlins. Phillies now have to battle the Atlanta Braves in the NLDS. Tonight, Thursday Night Football, Chicago takes on Washington Commander's six-point favorites at home. That's a look at sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Bill Abbott here, and although we had a couple of false starts, I'm happy to announce that you can now see the Sunrise Morning Show on video on SacredHeartRadio.com, the SunriseMorningShow.com, on YouTube, and a few more ways coming soon. Uh, we will document the entire video process in Sacred Heart Radio's Christmas newsletter, so to get on our mailing list now, just visit SacredHeartRadio.com, click on Newsletter Sign Up, and when you do, you're immediately signed up to receive our monthly e-newsletter. By the way, we have never shared or sold our mailing list with other organizations, but we do want to share all the spiritual events planned for your parish this Advent. So to do that, just click on events at sacredheartradio.com. And at sacredheartradio.com is where you can direct others now to know the truth about what's at stake in Ohio this November. As always, thank you for listening, supporting, and, and telling others where they can hear about Jesus on Sacred Heart Radio and the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. 
Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. The Cincinnati Holy Name Society invites all area men to the 9th Annual Men's Eucharistic Procession, Saturday, October 21st, from St. Peter and Chains to Old St. Mary's and Over the Rhine. For details, see SacredHeartRadio.com slash events. Happy to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show, Jeannie Mancini, the president of the March for Life. Good morning, Jeannie. Well, good morning. It's good to have you. It is time for the second official Ohio March for Life taking place tomorrow in Columbus. Are you going to be there? You bet. Coming in tonight. Awesome. Give us a rundown of the day. Yeah. Well, let me just say this, too, Anna, that this is none too soon, as all of your listeners know, that next month, of course, Ohio has a really important vote. They need to vote against the abortion amendment for the Constitution. But um, maybe we'll have a minute to get to that. But so tomorrow is the second annual March for Life, as you mentioned, Anna. So at... um, Well, for your listeners, we're delighted that uh, the bishop will be, Bishop Earl Fernandez, will be celebrating Mass at 9 a.m. at St. Joseph's Cathedral. We then have, at 10 o'clock at the Capitol, uh, Damascus Missions um, is going to lead a pre-rally worship concert. This is a wonderful worship band. We had them last year as well. Love that organization. And then at 11 a.m., the official rally begins. We've got a really good line up with, I would say, um, our, our keynote or our headliners being the lieutenant governor and second lady uh, speaking and then marching with us. Uh, at noon, the crowd will begin to march around the Capitol. And then we even have an afternoon session at 1230, which uh, is the it, it's, it's an advocacy event. So helping people to learn how to enact with their with their officials. Um, They're elected officials in Ohio and then nationally, but also to get out and do some door knocking for this last month before the initiative vote on November 7th. So um, check us out at marchforlife.org. You can look at the drop-down menu on the Ohio March for Life for all of the information that I just listed. Yeah, and you can find that linked at our site as well, uh, sunrisemarkshow.com. Now, you mentioned issue one here in Ohio. Jeannie, can you talk about how important this rally is in light of that? Yeah, I, I gosh, we just, I, I don't mean to be fear-mongering or sensationalizing, but I cannot underscore how critical this vote in Ohio is next month. I mean, frankly, all eyes are on Ohio in the country because since the wonderful overturn of Roe and the Dobbs decision that came down, the bad news is that we've lost many ballot initiatives similar to this, which then there are these constitutional amendments in in different states like Michigan or California um, that really take that state way further than what Roe allowed. And Ohio, which has long been a life-protective and life-affirming state, really has so much uh, hanging in the balance here. So what I would say is that um, voting no next month is critical and that we should be praying and fasting and get all of your friends out to do this. So if 
this does not, uh, if we're not victorious, so if, if issue one passes, Ohio basically has erased the basic rights of parents um, to oversee important health decisions for their, their daughters. Ohio will allow painful late-term abortion up until birth and will jeopardize basic health and safety protections for, for girls um, and for all patients when it comes to you know the terrible procedure of abortion. But the bar will actually be lowered on health clinics. So on, on abortion clinics. So this is so critical. I just can't, I mean, really, this is so important that it's important for the country because we need a blueprint about how to win these ballot initiatives. But we're talking about protections that Ohio has enjoyed for many, many years that could be undone overnight. And Ohio would become one of the most pro-abortion states in the country. And so please pray fast and get your friends out to vote against issue one. And I would point folks to the uh, Catholic Conference of Ohio, who has put out a lot of information about just what Jeannie was saying, how that actually is written into the very vague language that uh, that that issue one was intentionally written that way for Mm. just this purpose. Now, now, Jeannie, I'm I'm kind of of two minds of this next question I have for you. Um, And that is about media coverage of the Ohio March for Life. Do you think that this will be widely covered by the media? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just know from my own interviews that I'm I'm prepping for today and tomorrow. Widely. Widely. (laughs) And and friendlies and unfriendly. So, like, I can – I know for sure we've got New York Times, Washington Post, Politico. All these folks are going to be live covering this tomorrow. So we have, like I said – we have the entire country watching. Now, what might not be, what you might see, because we've, we've seen unfriendly media outlets shut us out in Ohio, you might not see a lot of local coverage, but I can tell you this is on the national stage, and you are going to absolutely see national coverage of this. And I'm hoping that those national outlets that aren't, you know, often with us on these issues or don't really report fairly. Um, will in some ways smoke out the local media in Ohio because, and I don't mean, of course, Anna, sure. like you and your show, but some of the some of the more traditional outlets, um, yeah. it, not the faith-based outlets. So, yeah, yeah, I, we will have a lot of media. And so with that in mind then, Jeannie, how do you hope to to educate the country and, and Ohioans specifically on issue one? Well, I think just telling the truth about what it's about and then going back to the really simple and basic truths about what I mean, what being pro-life is. You know, we are pro-love. And um, even (laughs) if people don't identify as being pro-life from the moment of conception, most people know that taking the life of a seven-pound baby that's just not yet been born, um, you know, right before the moment of birth is wrong. And when... Ohioans of goodwill hear the truth of what this amendment would do. They're horrified by it. So I think just kind of bringing things into the light is our goal. And um, for all of our friends who who know that every life is a gift and that we need to protect and defend life from the moment of conception and that abortion takes the life of one and wounds the life of another, that it's not good for women. We just need to do everything possible to educate, to vote, to get out there and and to show public witness tomorrow at the Ohio March for Life. And uh, you can find all of the information for the Ohio March for Life at sunrisemorningshow.com. Again, taking place in Columbus tomorrow.
starting with 9 a.m. Mass at St. Joseph's Cathedral with Bishop Fernandez. Rally starts at the state capitol at 11 a.m. And Jeannie, just really appreciate all of the work you do for the cause of life and uh, specifically for the cause of life here in Ohio. Please keep us in your prayers. And if listeners want to support the March for Life, how can they do so? Uh, We'd be most grateful. We're growing our state march initiative rapidly. And um, the only thing that will keep us from doing that is not having uh, that financial support. So check us out at marchforlife.org, marchforlifeaction.org. Another thing that you can do is text Ohio March, so O-H-M-A-R-C-H, that word, to the number 73075. Let me say that one more time. Text to the number 73075, the word O-H-M-A-R-C-H, and in that way you'll stay up to date on opportunities like the ones we're going to have tomorrow to let our elected officials in Ohio and nationally know where we stand on this issue, on issue one. Awesome. Well, Jeannie Mancini, again, really appreciate your work. And thank you so much for talking to us this morning on the Sunrise Morning Show. Well, thanks for having me. You bet. All right. It's 10 till. We're back right after this. Proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God-given rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human, regardless of age or stage, ability or disability. More information at 1-800-712-HELP. The highest standards, integrity, and best practices are core values at Rainbow International of Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky, your partners in residential and commercial insurance repair and restoration. Rainbow International, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio, 513-271-1000. In the past decade, more people have chosen natural or green options when planning a funeral, and the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society can help. Natural or green burials are actually quite traditional. It's how people were laid to rest for most of human history. Find out more about natural or green options for burial or cremation at the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, where they also offer zero financing for pre-planning. The Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, 557-2306, extension 319, or at cccsohio.org. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center is offering weekend retreats this fall led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join us this October for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Sunrise Morning Show continues on this Thursday, October the 5th, and it is the Feast of Blessed Bartolo Longo, also the Feast of St. Faustina Kowalska, who we know from her diary and the Divine Mercy, and also, and uh, we haven't even mentioned him today, uh, it's the uh, Feast of Francis Xavier Silos. So yes, uh, who has some American ties. And so we uh, I just it is funny because um, St. Faustina, all those, he gets kind of top billing. Yeah, right now. I mean, as uh, St. Faustina, of course, so many people um, devoted to the divine mercy image and love to pray the divine mercy chaplet. Of course, we pray that daily here on Sacred Heart Radio 
um, in our devotional hour. And then, Matt, you and I are huge fans of Blessed Bartolo Longo because of just how incredible his conversion <laughs> is. I mean, you as a convert um, and, and working with Yeah, but I'm not a convert from Satanism. I know, right? I mean, it is unbelievable the 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 conversion that he underwent from Satanic priest to Apostle of the Rosary. I mean, talk about Our Lady stamping out evil in yeah. in this one person's stole is is just so incredible. And then we forget to talk. Well, I shouldn't say forget, but we we give so much less billing to Francis Xavier Silos. But he was in Louisiana. He was. Uh, that's where he died. Actually, helping people who were victims of yellow fever. So uh, he was a person who saw, I mean, he, he's one that we invoked quite a bit during COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Um, his intercession, because here's a man who, despite risk to himself, um, decided he was going to bring people the sacraments. Um, he was not there very long. Uh, he was uh, assigned in uh, 1866 to be pastor of the Church of St. Mary in uh, New Orleans. And you know, bear in mind, this is a guy who was a redemptorist missionary, meaning he was all over the place. Mm-hmm. So he'd been in Pittsburgh, he'd been in St. Louis, he'd been in all these places, but he got this assignment in uh, New Orleans when yellow fever hit. So he was assigned in 1866, and it was in uh, October of 1867 that he actually died of uh, yellow fever after contracting the disease from working with patients. Mm-hmm. So and there's actually a fair amount of Louisiana saints in the pipeline who died ministering to people at great risk to themselves during uh, epidemics. Yeah, and oh my gosh, let's not forget the fact that he was alive. I mean, he dies in 1867, so he was in the heart of it all. In Reconstruction. Yeah, amidst Reconstruction and also during the Civil War itself. I was just reading he, he met with President Lincoln and yeah. um, got an agreement from the president to not send seminarians into war because at the time there was an obligation for active military duty. And uh, he managed to uh, get these seminarians spared from having to go to the front and, and fight in the midst of, of the Civil War. I mean, like his what an eventful life he had. It uh, is pretty Pretty extraordinary. You know, but as I'm thinking about this, too, so uh, we've got an American on the calendar. We'll count him as an American uh, because, sure. you know, he may have been born in uh, Bavaria. But well, he's he, buried in, in the U.S. So but he's here in the United him. States. I mean, we're he, he covered – he preached in Connecticut, Illinois, Michigan, Missouri, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Wisconsin. We, we'll count, we get to claim him. Yep. He's we ours. To claim him. He's ours. So you've got that, but you've also got – Faustina, who's connected with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, which is prayed every day here on Sacred Heart Radio, and Bartolo Longo, Apostle of the Rosary, which is prayed every day here on Sacred Heart Catholic mm-hmm. Radio. So there. Boom. What a great day for us. It's pretty cool. Every now and then you get these stacked days uh, on the liturgical calendar where it's just, there's a lot going on. Yeah. So, you, you know, not all these saints make it into mentions in the Mass, uh, so sometimes you got to go digging a little bit, but... Every day on the calendar, there's lots of people. Like, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Oh, I know. Or what day of the year it is. There's always several people on the calendar. Some of them you might not know much about. Sometimes the church doesn't even know that much about them. Sometimes all the church knows is they died for the faith. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But some of them.
we got lots of info on. Uh, and uh, all three saints today that we've mentioned in this segment, we got lots of info on. So we'll just say it. Blessed Francis Xavier Silos, pray for us. St. Faustina Kowalska, pray, pray for, for us. us. And Blessed Bartolo Longo, pray, pray for, for us. us. We're praying for you as you head out into the world. Back again tomorrow. It'll be a Friday, which means we get to preview the Sunday Mass readings with Father Duncan and Father Hezekiah. Plus a whole lot more. Until then, I'm Matt Swain for everybody here. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. This is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent serving Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, I can help with any of your insurance needs. I can be reached at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Molly Made of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted, quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MADE or at mollymade.com. Molly Made, a clean you can trust. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. The Comboni Missionaries present Taste of Mission Family Event, Saturday, October 7th. Enjoy international food booths, a beer and wine garden, and shopping from around the world at the Mission Market. Fantastic music, a special area for the kids, and new this year, a petting zoo. Admission is free. The Taste of Mission, Saturday, October 7th, from 4 to 8 p.m. at the Comboni Mission Center on Nagel Road in Anderson. More information at combonimissionaries.org backslash T-O-M. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. This is Father John Paul Walker, pastor of St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast.